If you're planning to get lucky this St. Patrick's Day, get prepared with Manscaped. Manscaped is the global leader in below-the-waist grooming and an official sponsor of the Digging Deep ATV MX podcast. To ensure you have the best tools for your family jewels, visit manscaped.com and use discount code DIGGINGDEEP20 for 20% off and free international shipping. Manscaped is here to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience, offering precision engineered tools for your family jewels. The Lawnmower 3.0 electric trimmer is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Ceramic blade, advanced skin safe technology, waterproof capabilities, it's simply the best. And Manscaped's Performance Package is the best buy of 2021. The Performance Package comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Performance Boxer Briefs, a travel bag, deodorant, and soothing aloe toner. If you're listening, you know good tools are key. So get the best tools for the job today. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using code DIGGINGDEEP20. Welcome to the Digging Deep ATV MX Podcast with your host, two-time defending ATV motocross national champion, Cody Jensen. Am I on air? What's up, everybody? We're We're back. back. I'm your host, Cody Jansen, and welcome to a monumental episode, episode number 49 of the Digging Deep ATV MX podcast, presented by our title sponsor, CSD Tires, available for purchase at shop.csdtires.com. The 2021 season opener from Daytona is now in the books, and it was wild. A crazy day at the races means we have a lot to talk about coming up on this episode, and we'll cover everything that happened in Daytona, and then talk to the riders that were in on the action. From storylines to controversy and everything in between, we'll cover it all here. We have Gloop Mayhe of Rip It Up Films, Casey Greek of Impact Solutions, and Logan Tremellen of the Tremellen Media House all coming on to join the show and help break down everything that happened at the races. Then you'll hear conversations you won't want to miss with five Five-time Daytona ATV Supercross winner Chad Weenan, Nick Janusa straight off the podium and his career best finish, rookie phenom Max Linquist coming off a stellar pro-class debut, and we have a special guest dropping by that you certainly won't want to miss as well. This episode is stuffed full of so much awesome content that you won't find anywhere else. I'm excited, so let's not waste any more time. Thanks to all of you who played Digging Deep ATV MX Fantasy with us at round one. Nearly 200 of you signed up to play prior to Daytona, and man, it was so much fun. Congrats to those of you who had the perfect lineup on Tuesday. That was Chad Weenan in Tier 1, Nick Janusa in Tier 2, Max Linquist in Tier 3. All of those riders are coming up here on the show, and Michael Allred in Tier 4. Eight of you had that perfect team, so congrats to those guys who had that that it's uh, not too late for you to join the first ever ATV motocross fantasy league and have some fun with us. I think it's taken the fan experience this season to a whole new level. It's awesome. So proud of that digging deep ATV MX fantasy. You can sign up today at ATVfantasy.com and lock in your picks for three palms. Thanks to our sponsors who are all on board with us tonight. CST tires, go to shop.csttires.com. Yamaha. Thanks to blue crew Valvoline SSI decals DID racing Channel. 
Chain, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV Components, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, Forworks Carbon, DP Brakes, Gripped Gloves, Factory 43, Bikes, Trikes and Quads LLC, and Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGNITY20 at manscaped.com. Their clippers rock, their nose hair trimmers are amazing, and they have a bunch of other cool stuff as well. So check out Manscaped. I wish I would have sooner. Get 20% off with free shipping by using code DIGNITY20 at manscaped.com. Support all the great companies that support us, and for any products that fall through the cracks, click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner on our website to help us out. The season is right around the corner. The pros are now racing, will be racing before you know it, and we both know you need parts and gear. So no matter what off-road gear parts you need, Rocky Mountain ATVMC has you covered. So before you buy, click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner on our website to help us out. Now, the 30-second board is up, it's sideways, and the gate is down. Time to dig deep. Let's go. All right, guys. I'm sure uh, you've heard by now. Once again, the Daytona ATV Supercross was wild. And a crazy day at the races means we have a lot to talk about here on our Daytona Review Pod. Joining me to cover everything that went down at the races, he's tied for 93rd in Digging Deep ATV MX Fantasy. Welcome back, Mr. Casey Greek. What's up, Casey? <laughs> Told you I'm terrible at fantasy. Uh, for uh, you know, to to your credit, Joel uh, going down didn't help your fantasy at all. It buried you, but uh, just needed to throw out the 93rd. Also joining us, a man who's uh, been slaying all of his projects recently. Say hello to Logan Tremellen of Tremellen Media House. What's up, man? Thanks for coming back. What's up? I don't know what where I am at in the fantasy supercross. I never looked at it. <laughs> I think uh, th- I don't think you were as, as far down as Casey, oh. but I, I can't uh, can't, yeah. be, can't be sure. And lastly, you know him and love all the content that he puts out. Rip it up films himself. Thanks for coming back, Mister Gloop Mayhe. What's up, pal? Uh, I'm doing good, and I'm ready to get going. And let's uh, let's talk about it. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about, so we might as well dive right in. As I mentioned, it was a wild day, um, but not really until the main event. I feel like early in the day, everything was pretty status quo. Obviously, um, we were anxious for quads to finally hit the track, and when they did, we saw Joel Hetrick right at the top of the leaderboard, like we've obviously grown so accustomed to seeing and qualifying. He took both qualifiers, and man, uh, you know, he, he looked impressive. Um, Casey, you work closely with Joel's program there. Give us a glimpse into how well things were going for Joel, uh, at the start of the day there. Yeah, I think he found comfort on that track, um, fairly quick and really no real changes throughout the day. Um, maybe a couple clicks, just the speed of the track was really fast and for, especially for a supercross track, um, but the entry into the corners was very high paced from long rhythm sections and stuff. So, you know, just stiffen up front end a little bit and keep those guys' nose off the ground. And he was super comfortable. And I mean, we've seen it all day. I felt like he rode with um, a lot of class and just super, you know, just never really looked like he was overriding the bike or out of shape, you know. Mm-hmm. So, solid day going and it was nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I felt from the very first lap when he was on the racetrack, it was like he was, uh, he was out there and had a, had a point to prove. So um, I thought he looked rejuvenated. I thought uh, he looked like 
kind of like he said to us, like, like he had a fresh breath of air, um, you know, kind of like we expected, uh, Logan and, and Gloop, I want you guys to weigh in here. I mean, Joel early in the day, uh, you know, he was on a tear. He looked phenomenal. I'm sure that that's all what we all expected, but it very early on, it looked like Joel Hetrick's day. I feel like. Yeah. I mean, he was on fire. He was smooth. Um, kind of looked like a different rider in a sense because of how smooth he was and how comfortable he was on the bike. Um, minimal mistakes, um, just, just rolling out there. Mm-hmm. What about you, Logan? Yeah. If I noticed one thing, it was right after both qualifiers um, at the rig, the energy was just super light. Everybody was happy. And I, I feel like just him on the bike and, you know, Jeffrey's back on the Yamaha. I feel like just the whole team vibes were very like, you know, they were all upbeat and positive and regardless of their lap times, I feel like he was in a really good place. Yeah. I feel like he, it's like he, uh, like he's got a new toy to play with. So, um, yeah, it's awesome. Joel took this top spot in, uh, in the, the qualifiers they're heading into the heat races. Um, Bryce Ford, Chad Weenan, Nick Janusa. Um, those are kind of the top guys. And then the rest of the guys followed suit there. And in heat one, moving on to the heat races, um, first gate drop of 2021 sophomore sensation, Bryce Ford grabs the whole shot. He stalls while leading Jeffrey takes over the lead. Um, before something happened to him and then he falls back to third, it's Nick Janusa's turn at this point, uh, you know, to kind of control the lead here. And though Brandon Ho gave him a, a good run, Nick Janusa held on, um, for the, the win and he'd won there. And I was impressed with his ride. I feel like that was a great way for him to start off the, the season. He was strong in qualifying too. And uh, obviously we'd see that continue throughout the day there. Um, but uh, yeah, that was a, that was a really solid start. And I feel like um, great start to the year for Nick Janusa. So I'll let you guys weigh in there. <laughs> I think it was a good day for Nick, obviously uh, <clears throat> career high finish and uh, win a heat race at Daytona you know, with some pretty, you know, really good guys, you know, obviously Jeffrey made a mistake and kind of came in and blew a berm and kind of handed that over. I think Bryce Ford had um, a technical difficulty there and which led to him getting shuffled back because he was trying to get the bike moving again and, you know, just put Nick right in the right spot. And I, I was looking for a little bit more race out of Brandon Hogue with Nick, but I think when it all went down, Brandon was just a little bit too, too behind him and it just never really transpired into something. But I think for both those guys, there's a good confidence booster going in and they gave Nick a really good spot on the gate for, you know, for the main event. Absolutely. Looper Logan. Yeah. I thought it was awesome. Um, like we talked about previously is not knowing where, where Nick would fall with these guys, you know, riding in the cold at home in New Jersey and for him to come out swinging like that, I think it was, I mean, I was ecstatic. It was awesome to see, you know, kind of in my, in my brain, I didn't really know it was going to happen. You know, I didn't know how he was going to look. I didn't know how to judge him. I didn't know any of it. So it was cool to see that he's been putting in the work at home and I guess riding in the cold and in the snow has paid off for him. So um, I'm really, uh, really happy for him. And it's awesome to see him get that uh, second place that he's always wanted now. Hopefully one day he'll get a first place and uh, keep on moving from there. 
yeah, we got him coming up on the show. I'm excited to talk to him. Um, but yeah, I agree. Uh, we kind of knew what would happen if he could get a start and to start off the season. I mean, he, uh, he started off his year last year, kind of in a terrible place with the DNF and to start it off, you know, so well with uh, good qualifying, good heat race going into the main event there. That was really good for him. What about you, Logan? I don't want to uh, pass by, um, Nick without getting your opinion there. One of the biggest things I noticed, and I even talked to my dad about it after uh, the race on Tuesday, but we talked about like this was the first time in a few years where it, it looked like Nick found the edge on the track. Like he's always been top five. He's always been there. But this time he seemed like he could have battled with the front guys. Maybe not Joel because Joel was on another level, mm-hmm. but he was up there and he was do- he was racing a good race. He was doing good. Absolutely. I mean, we'll cover it a little more uh, as we talk about the main event, but he paced with those uh, with those leaders. And that's something that we haven't really seen out of him. So, uh, yeah, really impressive there. He gets the heat one win and, and Heat two. That was kind of the headliner um, featuring Joel Hattrick, Chad Weenan and rookie Max Linquist. And man, I feel like. Uh, feel like Joel again was out to make a statement on that new machine because he was he was flying and I'll open it up to to you guys there um but he wasn't just trying to win the heat I swore unless that's just his pace is that high I swear he was out there trying to uh to prove a point it was kind of funny when he came in after the heat like I was like hey dude like don't show your cards so early you know these you know these guys are gonna go try to find some more speed and he said I practice harder than that and I'm like, what? Like, how? How? No. And, and they, you know, I mean, he did sprint like the first three, four laps to try to pull the gap. And he pulled the gap and then he kind of just maintained it. And I think the gap from, say, like lap four to lap eight at the finish, Chad had closed back in. But Joel was just kind of maintaining what he needed to do. But he, he's just like, no big deal. Like, every time he come off the track, everything was just funny and like, cool and yeah but at the same time he was definitely proving a point those first few laps there trying to yank away from those guys mm-hmm. anybody else want to weigh in there he was uh he was on a tear no doubt i think i was more worried about uh the carly situation than uh than joel joel had it all under control there i was you know hoping that you know nothing nothing added extra stress to anyone in that situation so it was uh awesome to see pretty much everyone smile and everyone happy everyone just you know, like Logan said, just relax and, you know, very excited and just a different kind of attitude from everyone. Awesome. Logan? Um, no, I mean, they pretty much said it. Um, from spending some time with Joel beforehand, I mean, I saw how much he was pushing the stalker and the race bike. So mm-hmm. I knew we were going to see something cool at Daytona. Still, I, I we knew it was going to be fast, but man, I, I, I still came away like, Damn, he had another gear that I, I didn't know that anybody had. So, uh, yeah, he, he killed it. Chad got second. Max was a strong third. Um, let's move uh, right along to the main event then because this is uh, when things got interesting. And by the time we got to the first corner of that main event, uh, there was already carnage right right out at the front of the pack. And, Gloop, I'm, I'm so glad that you got uh, that footage there because um, it just showed that that was a typical first-turn racing incident. I mean, there's, there's people out there that want to say I think it was something other than that. But uh, Chad and, and Michael Allred kind of ended up sandwiching Jeffrey, just three guys or, or more racing to the front of that hole shot there. Um, and, you know, so often the middleman gets the, the short end of the stick in that situation. Yeah, and if you notice in the back, uh, Cody Ford, VTech, 
and I think Torini went down too. So, mm-hmm. yep. I mean, there's a lot of guys going in that small turn. There's a lot of things uh, I realized after the fact that I personally didn't like. I didn't like that there's a hole shot going into potentially crashing into a cement wall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the bank, you know, we got uh, hay bales there, like they're going to protect anybody, which obviously they didn't help at all. Right. Um, but yeah, the typical, you know, everyone's going in the first turn. I don't think there was anyone to blame on any situation at the time. You know, adrenaline's pumping. Anyone is easily going to blame the other rider, but it was everyone going the first turn wide open as it always is. And it, it came out, you know, pretty gnarly. So we've seen the sketchy. We've seen that a lot of times at that Daytona start too. And uh, you're right. It's compounded too. And, and then to think about that, they were going into a switchback corner, you know, like 180, 180. Um, yeah, definitely wasn't ideal. And then if you talk about Jeffrey, you know, Jeffrey, um, you know, ends up flipping in the situation. And I don't know if that happens, if that tough block wasn't there. Yeah. I mean, to think if, I don't know, like everything about that track now that I like, I didn't really pay attention when I was there. I don't know why, but it was just like, eh, it's a track. It has doubles. It has, it's just, it's just the racetrack, right? You're not, you're not critically breaking it down. Yeah. Until, and then I, you know, I seen that, you know, bike goes in the corner, it falls over like a -hmm. a quad pushes wide and can do some damage and then flip on those guys. And Mm -hmm. honestly, I thought it was pretty dang dangerous if, if we're going to, you know, be, be honest about it. Like, I, that's a lot i mean how fast do we know how fast are they going in that first turn and to think that there's just a couple couple inches of dirt on some cement and that's and you know those hay bales it's really i mean it's fortunate that no one really seriously got hurt in that situation Mm -hmm. and cody ford ended up on the asphalt wow yeah he's like he's like i was pretty much by the time he got done rolling he's like i sat up on the edge of the racetrack of the paved racetrack so i mean and even watching if those guys because you know bryce had an issue on the gate mm-hmm. and i like i talked to john ford uh sunday night as he was driving home and he's like i'm almost glad he did i mean not in a good way but like because he would have been right in the thick of the carnage too and he, he could end up that. flipping yep. or something like that so it kind of put him in a position to where he just kind of drove through it mm-hmm. but when you really looked at it i think it was one of Gloop's videos, like I slowed it way down and there was like three tiers of people coming up the starting line together. Mm-hmm. And what I found weird is like, you know, it really wasn't all that long of a start, but it separated that fast. If those guys would have stayed 16 quads wide and then tried to turn, it would have been even messier than if everyone would have made it through the first turn in those next two S turns, it would have been even worse. So it, it would have slowed down though. So you know, they might've got stuck on each other or whatever. It would have been better to get hung up in the S curves than it would there. But I, I thought they were going to red flag it. Yeah. It was not pretty. What about you, Logan? Did you see anything else? I didn't experience the whole shot in the main, but I was on the outside of it for the two heats. And even then it was crazy. Like the first turn, so much speed, everybody came together. Nobody, nobody wrecked, but then the 180, 180, I think the first race it was everybody was just hitting each other and trying to like, you know, get a wheel on the other person to get uh, into that first rhythm section in the lead. And it was, it was hectic. 
Yeah, like you guys said, I mean, it was it was crazy. Obviously, we've seen the the pictures and your guys' videos, and uh, yeah, it was uh, was was crazy. Um, but you know, the that was just the beginning to a crazy main event. You know, Chad and Joel are bumping and banging banging in the in the the first couple of corners there, and they'll switch backs to claim the early lead. Obviously, you could tell that they're jostling for uh, you know very valuable real estate to be setting the pace for this race. Um, Chad snatches it, and at that point, you kind of know it's going to be a good race because. Because who knows if Joel gets the whole shot? I mean, who knows if he's going to sprint away? Um, Chad ends up leading this thing, and he leads for the first eight laps um, before Joel makes his move. Kind of, uh, you know, it looked like he launched kind of that single jump, you know, kind of into the corner there, set it, set Chad up, and uh, took control of the lead there. So I'll I'll pause to that point. It looked like um, you know Chad tried to run it in on Joel um, after Joel made the made the pass there. Um, but after that, it's like Joel sets sail. Um, you know, it looked like, uh, like it was going to be a long day for the rest of those guys. And like, he was going to be in control kind of like he had been all day. And we had seen a great race up till that point. So, um, I'm going to break there, let you guys touch on what you saw at the first half of the race, uh, before we cover the end of it. To me, it was pretty, I mean, the whole time I felt like Joel was just, you know, at one point, like early on lap, like three or so. I feel like Joe was getting a little bit impatient almost like where he looked, it looked like he really wanted to make a pass early on. And I was like screaming in my head, like, just be patient. Just, be, you know, you're just thinking about that kind of stuff, hoping that they're thinking about it. And then you can see he did. He tried a couple of different lines that didn't really work. So he would lose a little bit of time. He'd make it back up. And then it was just like a flip of a switch. He's just like, I got to go now. And, you know, he ran it in, he jumped off of that roller, like you said, and, he put it into Chad pretty good. You know, they made a little bit of contact and then, you know, obviously no one, you know, Chad's going to fight back and mm -hmm. that's rightfully so. And the way Joel like pulled that entire thing off was like perfectly executed, slowed Chad down enough to where he couldn't triple. Mm -hmm. uh, the question that I had, and I hadn't got to talk to Chad, you know, everything after the race kind of everyone packed up real quick and split, but, I wanted to ask him, and I don't know if he would actually tell me, but when they did, Joel kind of blocked him from doing the triple on the first wall, and then Chad didn't triple into the corner. Then they turned like a hairpin left, and there's a triple out. Chad didn't jump that triple either, and it's been in the back of my mind, like, what happened? Because by then, him and Joel were separated well far enough to where he could have tripled after the hairpin without a chance or without any any. Uh, altercations or you know worried about landing on someone sure and so i don't to me it was just really weird but it, it really made it look like joel set sail like mm -hmm. in a matter of like 100 foot that you know it wasn't that, that wasn't even realistic the gap he pulled within the first 20 seconds because of what had happened there and then obviously we've seen him continue to pull away and chad got back on the pace and was perfectly fine like at one point i was like man like I even thought it was something wrong with Chad's bike, but it, it was just something that I've witnessed there that it was really bizarre to me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I wondered after, after Joel got the lead, like right after he took it, after those, that kind of switch back, those two corners um, looks like maybe he ran Chad kind of just out of room, like on that first jump there. And then, yeah, Chad, Chad tried to run it in, in that next corner, what would have been a, 
a left-hander right before a little triple jump thing. And, uh, and yeah, I think that he, he wishes that he would have just followed suit there and been able to do all the jumps with him and kind of gave himself a chance. Cause like you said, it, it felt like it took, uh, took a section or two and Joel had three seconds or whatever, you know? So, um, so yeah, it developed quickly there, but like I said, I feel like, like we had seen all day, uh, Joel at this point is now sprinting away and trying to make a statement. And, uh, yeah, what about you, Glooper Logan? Um, I got to believe that everybody here was thinking, you know, Joel's obviously going to win this race at this point. You probably couldn't have imagined a scenario where it was going to go any differently. Yeah, I mean, I didn't notice what uh, Casey noticed, but I noticed right when they went, went across that finish that it was a big gap right away. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see, you know, looking through a hole, that a tiny little hole in that camera, you don't see much that other people see. Right. But, um, I was like, wow, like this is crazy. And, and it, that gap, that gap, you know, went from they're next to each other to a big gap pretty fast. And uh, it was just kind of cool to see. And, and even Chad said something about, you know, like the speed in the past, like he, he didn't mind that pass. It wasn't dirty to him. He, he you know, he said mm-hmm. something to that fact. And um, I, I thought it was like, that was cool. Like I wanted to see that in, four or five more corners like i want to make a tv show that's exciting so right um yeah it was awesome to see like how that went down and you know they're coming up and joel's in the inside going in that single and then the line cuts wide and then if you look to the right caesar's stuck there Mm -hmm. so that could have been (laughs) so that could have been something even worse and and uh both those guys or all three of them are lucky that no one bumped into caesar and they all got stuck or something like that but it, it was uh I mean, it was an intense moment and uh, I mean, it was very exciting and it was cool to see uh, that lead, you know, that lead right away and that gap. So yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. What about you couldn't you? put a, you couldn't have put a toothpick between Chad's tires and Caesars. Like I, it was so, I was standing in the stands right above that corner. So it was like, you're just almost in awe and I'm like, Oh, Caesar. Oh, wow. You know, it just, they threaded the needle right there really well. See, and I don't know, I don't know, Logan, I'll, I'll let you hop in right here. I don't know if, um, if I'm assuming what happened is Chad could hear, hear what Joel was doing, uh, and kind of like gave him some room. Cause it looked to me like, like there was potential that they were going to like, you know, like contact each other, like, like Joel was going to land on Chad or land on his tires or whatever. Right. Like that's the part of the track that Chad was going didn't work out that way. Obviously, thankfully that there was no issues like that, but uh, it was super good racing. I'd love to see it. Yeah. uh, Back to what Casey said about like how Joel pulled so much after he first passed him. I didn't notice it in person because like Gloop said, you're, we're watching the cameras. We're really not paying attention to the actual racing. Mm-hmm. But um, when I rewatched the video Gloop posted, the ATV motocross one, in the recap, it, he's so far ahead right away. And I didn't even take notice that Chad didn't do that section. But, um, yeah, it was just it was, it was awesome to see that um, insane of battling going on there mm-hmm. uh, for the lead. So, so Joel is leading at this point, he leads for six laps before tragedy strikes. And and this is obviously the topic that everybody wants to talk about. Um, he gets together with, uh, with a lapper in the, the, while they're in the air and, uh, down goes Joel Hattrick hard heartbreaking moment there. Um, kind of felt like we've been there before. It felt like, uh, kind of 2016 all over again with, uh, Joel Hattrick going down and going down hard. 
crickets. <laughs> I'll, I'll go first. Uh, man, it, it's just one of those things. You got a guy that's going so fast and a guy that's right behind him. You know, we're talking about this massive lead, but it really was like five, six seconds. And anytime that you have to interact with other, you know, or have anything that slows you down a little bit, in your head, you're just like, wow, like, you know, I can't lose two seconds to Chad Wienan. Like, you don't do that. And and hopefully, if you if it does happen, you can recover it. Joe was in a position that he probably could have recovered it. Um, everyone had it under control. It was just a bad spot on the track, um, that rhythm section through the finish line area. You know, Logan and Michael were racing for, for a good position, top 10 position, in a very stacked field. And, you know, both of those guys have so much to prove. And it just, the perfect storm came at the very wrong time. And a a racing incident happened. And unfortunately, Joel got the shorter end of the stick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like... uh... Feel like it's a tough position for every one of those guys to be in, you know. Um, you know, you got to think that it's not very often. I mean, you don't get lapped very often. It's something that happens at Daytona. It doesn't happen at a ton of the other tracks, especially with riders as good as Michael Allred and uh, Logan Stanfield, and they're locked in a battle of their own, right? Like they're they're battling for position, like you said. That's a good top ten position that they're in. And I told you guys before we came on here when we're kind of briefing what we're going to talk about. It's a tough. Position position to be in because I've been that guy. Like I've been the guy getting lapped, but racing for position and had the other rider, you know, give way less than I did because I gave John Natalie all the room he needed and have that person snipe the top 10 position that I would have killed for because I just wanted to be sure to get out of John's way. Um, that's a tough position for those guys to be in. It's a tough position to, for Joel to be in, like you said, Casey, because um, he obviously feels like he has to go. Like you said, if you spend a section or two behind a lapper, I'm sure it feels like that's a lifetime. So he's like, like, I have to go. Chad's not that far behind. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. And uh, he doesn't think he's putting himself in harm's way. Um, But again, I just, I feel bad for Joel because, you know, he was on his way to a win there to start the season. Obviously uh, the whole, you know, everything, everything changes now, you know, he finds himself 19 points down instead of three points up. Um, and, and again, I feel bad for Mike because uh, probably puts a damper on his day. He ended up with an eighth overall finish, which is a killer finish an amazing finish for a rookie in his debut. Um, and uh, that's probably all overshadowed by, by what happened. So I feel for everybody involved, but uh, again, it's just a racing incident. I don't think it's ignorance. I don't think that it's, I mean, Mike is a good, hard, strong racer. He's a smart racer. Some things just happen sometimes and it sucks, but things just happen. So I'll let, uh, let, let the other guys weigh in here. I want to say something real quick. Sorry, Gloop. Yeah. I said, unfortunately it got Joel like, and I started thinking about it after I said it, and I didn't mean it. Like, if it would have happened to Michael, it still would have been unfortunate. Like, I, mm-hmm. I just felt like I needed to get that. <laughs> like, it, it was unfortunate either way, whether it was Joel or Michael or anyone that was right there in that situation. No, I knew, I know what you mean because it, it you know, it changed the course of every, you know, it changes, change things, but it sucks for everybody involved. It sucks for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what I, what I noticed, like, who, who's going to control the blue flag? Like does every flagger have a blue flag? Does just the finish, does the finish line plus 
two refs. So four guys I'm seeing, Casey. Yeah, um, there was four blue flags on the track. Okay. What I noticed, one thing that, you know, we always talk about it in the, in the pro riders meeting, it's, you know, a yellow flag. If they're waving the yellow flag like crazy, you know someone's down and hurt. If they have the yellow flag held out, you know that, you know, someone's down. It's not that serious. When they went across that finish line, that guy was just holding the flag. I mean, they should have been waving, pointing something to mm -hmm. to notify you those other guys that, hey, you know, you're getting lapped. And I'm not going to play blame game on anyone and any side and anything because everyone gets butt hurt. But, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle. I don't think it's fair for the Internet to jump on one side or the other. Um, there's a lot of recently just the, the comments that I see on the Internet all around for the last two years are insane. You know, it goes from, um, you know, playful, hateful comments to just downright, just very hateful stuff. And I, I really wish people would stop that stuff because it gets to, I mean, it gets to people, you know, you're, you're, they're, they're all human beings involved in the situation. So uh, yeah, that being said, it's not one guy's fault one or two guys fault you know there's a lot of pieces to this puzzle it's and it's a racing incident and knowing logan i'm going to let you hop in here knowing mike and knowing logan stanfield uh they would have been the first two guys to i mean they weren't trying to impede Joel Hattrick. Like if they would have known what they were doing, they would have clearly moved out of the way. You have to realize that when you're locked in a battle like that, like you hear another bike, you hear somebody coming fast, but you just think it's the other guy. You're not, you're not thinking it's a, it's the leaders or whatever. And yeah, I mean, I've watched Harv because a lot of times Harv will have a blue flag and he will go out into the middle of the track to, to, to wave that blue flag, but there's only one Harv, right? And you gotta, yeah. I mean, Harv would, Harv would do anything to make sure a lapper wouldn't, you know, impede the progress of the leaders. But again, you got to think like the way that Harv is too. He's so mentally in control of everything that's going on. And I mean, there's probably not another person out there, you know, with a flag in their hand that is as, I don't know, in tune with what's going on. Like yeah. Harv is. Harv was doing that too. I, I mean, he was putting in the work with the blue flag. You know, always, I saw him. I saw him all over and making sure you know everyone's safe. And he and he really was doing his job that day. He always does, and, and you did a great job there, Gloop, of touching on that. These are human beings, and these are these are. I mean, and young riders and and riders that are new to this thing, and and nobody wants to experience that hate, especially uh, they're just out there. I mean, everybody's out there doing their best, right? Yeah. Of course. What about from you? my from my experience with that exact lap um i was at the beginning of the the where the finish line was so the very beginning of that section and logan and uh, michael were side by side through the entire thing they went over the finish line i think i saw a blue flag there but joel was behind them the entire time so they were 100 in the heat of the moment they probably had no idea joel i mean if they knew joel was behind him they would have got out of the way so it was just extremely unfortunate not even just for joel not even just for michael but even for everybody all the fans you know um even chad like i talked to, i had an interview with chad before daytona and he said there were a lot of years beforehand before joel was like uh battling with him and he said when it was just me up there like it wasn't fun mm -hmm. so even like a situation like this it's unfortunate for every single racer every single fan it's just 
it sucks that we have to deal with it. Well, we, we have Chad coming up, but uh, you could, uh, you're going to hear it. And you heard on the podium that it's not like he was on a natural high from winning because he knows that uh, it, it wasn't the way he wanted to win, put it that way. So um, I think we touched enough on that subject. I just uh, felt like it was necessary to, I mean, like Gloop said, I mean, there's been so many hateful comments out there, not just about this, but about so many things and all the negativity sucks, right? Like all of us are fans of this. Don't look at the pages. Don't watch all the shit. If you're not a fan of it, if you just want to bash on the stuff that's going yeah. on, like we don't have any, we don't have any room for that. Like, like we all love it. And I just, to see those sour comments, even on like good positive posts, like to see that shit, I just, I can't stand it. It's been like nonstop for like the last year, you know, and I, I'm sure COVID has people acting a little bit different, but uh, it, it's, it's insane. Like, I mean, I got some guy that told me he was going to beat me up at Daytona because he didn't like my videos and he said he was going to make a presence. He's going to make his presence known. He'll, he'll let me know he's there. Well, guess what? I didn't see that guy, of course. But the point is, it's like people need to just calm down. And, and these guys that end up quitting, we're not racing anymore and they were avid avid racers in this sport why are you bashing it like don't bash it support it like <laughs> and i know we all know in the back of the head a couple people we've seen or you know some someone's gonna say oh you're talking about me well if i was if, if you're thinking i'm talking about you maybe maybe you need to calm down in the comments so. <laughs> yeah maybe it is you because it, it i don't read the comment section much because of this exactly like mm -hmm. i'm I've said it for years. It's always been kind of one of my closing things. It's like, hey, let's spread the positivity. Like, you guys are doing videos and press of all this stuff and, like, the pit shots and the kids, you know, having fun and everyone's in their own smiles on their face. That's the stuff you guys are putting out there, and that's what it should be. At the same time, you guys are getting the blood, sweat, and tears, too. But, like, dude, if you're sitting at home on the couch, like, thank you for supporting the sport, but support it. Don't be negative. Don't bash people. I'm all in and glue that dude shows up. You just come get me. We'll, we'll make sure it's handled. <laughs> I was yeah. late, you know, I wanted to say hi, you know, shake his hand. <laughs> yeah. It's a shame that people got to be that way. Uh, life's got to suck when all you do is see the negative side and things, or just feel like you need to spread negativity. Um, feel like uh, life probably can't be that fun. So yeah, that's enough of that talk, but uh, hopefully we can get out in front of that and uh, plant some seeds that'll prosper in a positive way there. But uh, yeah, moving on from that, Chad takes, takes over the lead with the 17 second gap over Janusa, who's uh, in second place at that point. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought it was, uh, it was super honorable uh, for Chad. So he wins and from atop the podium uh, talking about positivity, he's wishing Joel well and says that he didn't want to win like that, that, you know, he wanted to earn the win straight up. And uh, I thought that was a special moment. I thought that that was uh, you know, that, that too. I mean, I feel like, you know, people always cheer against the guy that's, you know, does so much winning. And I feel like that's, that's one of the reasons why you always kind of get uh, people that don't, you know, whether they're bashing on Chad or, or, or whatever, um, you know, you get some of that just cause he's won so much, but uh, I thought that was an honorable moment and uh, something that I uh, wanted to be able to highlight because I uh, want to make sure everybody knows there that uh, it's not quite so hostile uh, between those two guys. Like I feel like some people think it is. You know, yeah, and even like, Oh, go ahead. Gloop, you're going to say uh, what I said. Well, when, when Chad came off, you know, everyone's uh, had their hands out for the spectators and he shook his head. You know, he, 
he it was like a respect moment he knew that you know he doesn't want that to happen mm-hmm. he doesn't want anyone to get hurt he wants to have a, a fair race and and that's what it was and he even said when i interviewed him after you know you know joel was rolling joel was rolling out there and i you know i don't want to see anyone get hurt and i don't know what happened because he didn't and uh and i have like three times more respect for that guy and he made he made an awesome post you know the day after you know it could have been you know look at me look at the podium but it was more respectful you know i'm happy to get the results but also you know you know looking out for joel as well so yeah and and he even made mention of like you know them getting ready to have a baby and you know him having a bad crash like i i watched i literally watched the ride an hour before we started this this podcast and i was just like man like mad respect that's the only way you can put it like just the way he you could tell when he said something about like them getting ready to have a baby and you know the way the race went and stuff like he actually meant it and that that's big and he's a father you know joel it's crazy yeah, both of those guys are just such great ambassadors, and at times I don't feel like they get the both of them that they get the credit that they deserve. Okay, so um, so yeah, and at that time we don't know how how you know badly Joel is hurt. Um, you know, obviously we've since learned that you know he's a little banged up, but he's going to be good to go. You know, when racing resumes in Texas, um, great news there, of course. Obviously, want to congratulate him and Carly on the new addition to their family happened today, which is a uh, pretty awesome. Thankfully, it didn't uh, like Gloop kind of talked about earlier. It didn't happen during race day, and then the craziness that ensued. It didn't didn't create any any you know gnarly craziness there. Um, but yeah, it sounds like Joel's going to be uh, okay. And- we interrupt this program for a special news bullet all right guys here he is the man you've all wanted to wanted to hear from the man you've all been waiting for brought to you by factory 43 the aluminum parts joints of, of this two-time champ he trusts their nerf bars bumpers and grab bars and you should too it's legend of the sport mr joel hetrick what's up man glad to uh glad to see that you're doing okay we were all pretty worried on tuesday afternoon yeah thanks for having me on uh i just wanted to get on here and definitely clear there a little bit and talk about the situation. Uh, I am doing good. I'm actually on my trip home uh, to Pennsylvania right now. We just had our little baby boy, Eli, and uh, now we're going to go home. we got appointments and stuff like that. So best place to be is home right now, and that's where we're headed. Awesome. Yeah, first and foremost, obviously, that's where I was going. I wanted to congratulate you and Carly on the, the arrival of baby Eli there. Uh, glad he didn't decide to make his grand appearance on Tuesday. That would have made everything uh, even more hectic. Oh my gosh, we're we're super fortunate with you know him holding off to bless us with his appearance on you know a couple of days later. So we're, we're we're definitely stoked on that. And everything was good with him, and uh, you know Carly's doing good as well. So good, good. Uh, Just one yeah. big happy family. That's that's awesome. We couldn't be happier for you. Yeah, Gloop told us he said. Uh, he said that he was more worried about the Carly situation, the baby situation than you were. He felt like everything for you was just in slow motion. Like you were yeah. as content as could be on Tuesday. Yeah, I was, uh, I mean, I was just in the zone. I knew that, you know, today, that day was my day. And, you know, I knew Carly could handle whatever was thrown at her. She was super strong and uh, okay. pretty independent. So I knew that she was gunning for me to just do my best that day and not worry about nothing. And I was, head down ready to rip okay so if if something was to happen like 
could you have done it right at the racetrack there? Could she have had the baby there? What, I mean, I, uh, I heard some, some stuff that you were wondering about that the night before. So take yeah, I asked, it, I asked in the pro meeting, I was just joking around. I'm like, so they deliver babies in the care center. And yeah. They're like, Oh, we don't know about that. We'll actually have to find out because it's all, it's all free in there. So I'm like, well, shit, maybe that, that'd be a good, there you good go. Deal. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad that it, I'm obviously glad that it worked out for everybody involved with everything there. And uh, yeah, so, so a little background here, you hit me up on Friday night and basically said, get me on the show. Um, you know, if you want, you want to have yep. some good stuff to listen to uh, I'll give you, I'll give you some good stuff to listen to. So here we are, we pulled some strings. We wanted to get you on the Daytona review here. Um, tell, tell me about your day leading up to um, you know, kind of the incident late in the main event there at Daytona. Um, I've been saying, I think this is the gnarliest that we ever saw you. I mean, just watching, watching what you were doing there on the racetrack, that that was the coming out party of you on this new Yamaha. Um, it looked like you were, you were on a mission from the moment you hit the track that morning. I, I really was. And, you know, obviously I had something to prove being that, you know, it's a new quad and I had to prove it to myself. Like I've never raced that full wheeler against anyone, never started it against anyone, nothing, you know? So for me, it's like, if I can go out there and I knew I could go out there and put in laps that, you know, I felt like I could, I could be faster every single lap. Like I just, I don't know. I, every lap I felt like I was getting more comfortable on the bike and hitting, you know, different lines better and better every lap. And it just, just kept getting better the whole day. And, um, you know, the bike was working awesome. It's, it's been really an amazing experience on it and mm -hmm. it's definitely elevated my game. Um, and, you know, I elevate, I, I wouldn't say I elevated my fitness, but I, I got a little sure knowing that this bike was going to be a little harder to handle. And I think that really helped too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it obviously looked like it. And Casey basically told us like, you didn't even feel like, like, it's not like you were riding over your head. It's not like you were riding, like pushing the limit on this thing. He just felt like your, your baseline speed right now is so fast on that machine. Like that's what you were showing everybody. Yeah. Yeah. No, I told them guys, uh, you know, I, I maybe could go a little faster here and there, but just for me to run those really consistent laps where it wasn't scary you know, it wasn't sketchy. Um, you know, I was running, I, I looked at my lap times, I ran 58s every lap, but one, and that was when I passed Chad and mm -hmm. I was just from, you know, bumping and grinding a little bit, but right. I mean, I, I was just looking at the lap times. I was pretty, pretty pumped, you know, because to me, it shows like I could have done that for 28 laps. It, it didn't matter how many more laps I had. Uh, I was, I was super, I don't know. I was in the zone. I was not pushing my limits. I wasn't breathing hard. I, I mean, I was, I was ready. I was super yeah super comfortable yeah that's that's uh that's incredible go ahead yeah and i was just gonna say it just i did a bunch of starts and you know i didn't do a bunch of starts on dirt like that so mm -hmm. it was difficult with the wheeling about three quarters of the way down the start with with the bike you know i didn't really get that on the honda so sure. for that I had, I had to double clutch it and then i you know chad got a little in front of me me and ho get on the main event start and that really slowed me down but um the heat race you know i pulled a good start start on that and i just um, when I started to pull away, I was actually surprised just because just the way I was riding, I was like, I wasn't really pushing the envelope too hard, but I was also like, all right, I'm going to sprint, you know, try to get away from Chad. And I expected him to be, you know, breathing down my neck the whole time, but it is the heat race. And, you know, this, you know, finishing in the heat race up front is always key. So that could have been his goal, but I just felt, I felt unstoppable that day. And I was just, 
mm-hmm. crappy ordeal that happened late in the moto, but you know, we'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll get there. So yeah, I mean, both qualifiers, obviously, uh, your head and shoulders, the, the, the fastest guy you, um, you know, you kind of make a statement there sprinting in the heat race. Uh, you know, there's this melee getting to the main event. There's this melee in the first corner. You guys make it through that. Um, you know, you're yep. breathing down Chad's neck, uh, at the start of the race there for the first, uh, you know, half of it basically. So you get by yep. Chad at the halfway point, you, you run the fastest lap, you build a four plus second lead, then take me through what happens next. Cause I'm assuming that, uh, that's kind of, that's kind of what you wanted to talk about. Yeah, I can't, but not talk about that. Obviously that's what I wanted to talk about. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, got around Chad, I forget, it was a little over halfway, maybe two laps after halfway, and I think after that, I had my fastest lap time, 58-1, and then it just, I was in 58s, um, I was coming up on lap traffic, I had seen the blue flags uh, lap prior to getting to the guys I ran into, uh, Logan and Mike, and, you know, I seen them, I seen the flags waving before the lap, you know, the incident, and then uh, when I was behind them, I was behind them after the wall jump. Um, through, through the, so the wall jump, turn left, right hander, and then a little sand section into the big jump, uh, into the rhythm before the finish. Mm-hmm. And I was behind him this whole time. So Logan saw me in the corner before the, the finish line stretch okay. and he, he dove under Mike and, uh, they both didn't jump that first double. So then I'm right there. And they're just side by side battling. Nothing really they can do at that point. I mean, they're going down straight away. I can't, you know, can't just pull out of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we get to the left hand turn. Uh, Logan's on the side. He checks. Uh, and I got in the next step up before them that I crashed on. And so I'm inside of, of Mike right there. And I directly beside him. Jeffrey's probably a bike lane, two bikes up to the left and from the he's going. Um, and the jump. And then all of a sudden I'm getting raced up the face of this jump. So I, I'm not real sure how he didn't understand that I was there or maybe he thought it was low I don't know. I don't know what's in Mike's head. You know, me and Mike our friends, we were friends, we still are. Um, I think it, it's just, it's a crappy deal, but I mean, I honestly think he came from left center of the jump and okay. crept over to the right just enough. And, it, and, and, you know, I was right there. And for me, he should have, he should have checked up in, in my head, you know, knowing that there's two blue flags that I seen behind him following for two sections. Restrelli seen me, Logan seen me, the only person who didn't was Mike Mm -hmm. and um, you know there's a lot of people online that are saying you know that I came left or that that he held his line and but the blue flag states don't impede the progress of the leader so Mm -hmm. and allow him to pass and I I just disagree I don't think he did any of that right I don't know if he didn't know it was me like I was saying but it it shouldn't happen like that no, you're right. I mean, it is a tough place for everybody involved, right? I mean, it's obviously yeah. tough for you because you're in sprint mode. I mean, at that yeah. point, you know, you're building a lead, but you've also been behind these guys for a while at that point where you're feeling like, Hey, like Chad's obviously making up time. I need to go. I need to go. I need to go. Yeah. 
So it's tough place for you to be in. Um, and then oh, you well. look at, you look at the situation where, you know, Mike probably has never been lapped before. Not like that. Um, there is no lapping that goes on really other than Daytona because yeah. I mean, that's just a short racetrack, whatever. Yep. And it is tough. We knew I mean, it. Yeah. We knew we were going to run into lappers and, and in the meeting, he had said that Harvard said, you know, we're, this is a race that you will run into lappers. And he, um, I'm not sure if he emphasized the blue flags enough or, or what the case was in the meeting. I thought he did. I, I think he said there was supposed to be four blue flags on the track, which I don't think there was. Okay. And, um, you know, that's here nor there, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just, uh, it's a tough spot for, for everyone involved. And, you know, there's a lot of hate going on, you know, Facebook towards Mike and, you know, it's sad to see. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's a hard spot for him to be in right now. I think, I think maybe if you would have publicly announced like, Hey, you know, sorry for what happened, this and that, like for me, I don't care. Me and Mike are cool. He apologized to me. And I, and I told, I told my dad, I told, you know, my close friends and family, I'm like me and Mike, we're, we've had a relationship for years. Like that. I really don't think he did it on purpose, but no. I do think he made a mistake. I think yes. he made a mistake. And yep. I think that he, if he would have owned up to it on social media, then it would have cleared the air for him dramatically and probably let the situation go a little sooner than it, it, sure. it would have. Right. But no. of he's, course. he's a rookie pro and, and that's, you know, he's not, maybe he's not a big social media guy, whatever. And that's mm-hmm. just, that's something I thought would help him. Um, I deleted some comments on my post. I stopped comments on my one video just because they were so harsh. Like I've tried okay. to help, but there's yep. people that don't see that. And then they still want to argue with the fact of what, what happened. And, and the fact of what happened is he made a mistake and that's bottom line. Like that's, that's what happened. You know? Absolutely. It's, it's- Absolutely. I mean, so, so obviously he didn't do anything on purpose. I mean, nobody wants to be the guy to change uh, or impact what happened at the front of the race, the winner of this race, right? Like it's, it's nobody wants to be that guy. Now I will say, I mean, taking it from Mike's perspective, you know, he's, he's racing for a top 10 position against other, other good riders. Now, if he obviously must've just not known it was you not known you were there and it's a tough spot to be in because I've been that guy before getting lapped, giving Mm -hmm. way, giving way at Daytona, to the leader, John Natale, yeah. and then having the, you know, the rider that I'm battling with, you know, go around you probably e- e- exactly. And I lost the top 10 spot the first year that we raced at Daytona there because of that. And that sucks now, yeah, but I, I was so scared to be the guy that wasn't going to impact what happened at the front. Right. Like yeah. I, there was no way I was going to get in the way, but it is a yeah. tough spot to be in uh, again. If you oh, have no, if you have no experience getting lapped, you just, you, I, I'm trying to take the people that like, haven't been out there, maybe haven't been in a racing situation like this. Like yeah. you hear another bike, but you just assume it's the other rider. And it was yeah. actually Joel Hetrick. And as soon as you realize that you've taken out the, the race leader, um, I can't imagine what that feeling is like. And yeah. we talked about it a little bit. It sucks for Mike because he finished eighth. That's a great finish as a rookie pro. Yeah. And now it's all overshadowed by, you know, yep. what happened with you guys. And, and that, that really sucks. It, it does suck for him in his pro debut. I, I, it, it's a bummer. And I'm not sure if what that was his pro debut. Was it? 
well, he he he, he, he raced at south of the border. Yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, this is his first full on season as a pro and yep. to have this, you know, that's just a sour way to start yeah. things oh, off. Definitely overshadowing his, his finish. And, you know, uh-huh. like, like I said, I like Mike and he is a good rider. I just, I think, you know, he, he, he wasn't giving up that spot and regardless who was coming up next to him, if that was Stanfield that had tried to done that, I think yep. that Stanfield would be on the ground or, or you know, right. maybe Stanfield would have checked up and, and people say, maybe I should have checked up, but honestly, I was ahead of him at one point going up the face and I got raced to the race of the jump. So he, you think, you think he may, might've saw you and, and just was a mistake, straight up mistake. I, I just think it was a mistake. I don't think he knew it was me though. Like, like you're okay. saying, I, I think yep. maybe he thought it was, it was Logan and he, yep. you know, he battled with him the entire race. That's what he told me in the text message. Like he, he was in a heated battle of his own and I obviously seen it. I was there for two sections. Yeah. I know he was, yep. and he was the only one that didn't, look back to cb logan saw me prior to the the jump jeffrey saw me in the turn going way up top um and there's there's a bunch of variables maybe he thought jeffrey was gonna check up so he curved right on the face like uh, there because he was there too but jeffrey was probably two bikes ahead of him from from the video i saw and you know i didn't get a concussion or nothing so i know exactly what happened i see the videos and it's just a crappy ordeal, but I just I, I needed to come on here and, and talk about it and kind of clear the air. You know, if it just for everyone's sake, it's like, all right, there, we can all be pissed off. That's fine. People have feelings. People are going to be mad. People are going to be upset. Uh, you know, I'm sure Mike's upset about the deal and he's getting a lot of hate for it. And I do, I do feel bad about that. That is shitty. Yep. Um, but I just think, like I said earlier, maybe if he would have done like a post that, hey, man, you know, get well, I feel bad. I didn't mean to do that. I, I think that would have helped him out a lot in the long run. Yep. But, um, you know, hopefully this will clear the air and just you know, put this crap behind us because for me, I got I got a lot to make up. I got a lot to make up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. But there's nothing I can do. And and it's a, again, I just want to want to say one more time. It's a tough spot for everybody involved. Sucks for you. Sucks for him. Sucks for everybody. Sucks for the sport. Sucks for the fans. Sucks for everybody. But um, I've seen a lot, a lot of hot takes on social media, a lot of stuff that shouldn't be being said, a lot of stuff that doesn't need to be said. It's not doing any good for the sport or anybody um so i'm just glad that we could get you on here to weigh in and honestly like obviously i love you know i loved when you went live that night made sure everybody (laughs) knew you were you were okay all that stuff because there was speculation about that going on but i love that you know atv atv racing right now atv motocross you know with like a like a like a podcast like this with a radio show like this you have an ability to kind of vocalize your um and address some of the stuff that you're dealing with and you have a way you have a way to tell people hey pump the brakes like nothing good is going to come from this it's a mistake and you know what this isn't going to happen again i guarantee it's not going to happen again now with any of these riders because they don't want to be the person that this happens to that causes like it sucks it sucks for everybody it sucks for everyone and it's you know like i told my dad he obviously my dad is he's got a temper he's very upset and he just jumped off the deep end and i'm like hey let me tell you something me and him were, were good friends and we still are. It's yep. like, how, how am I to say like, oh, you know, go over there and freaking scream down his throat because he's a freaking a-hole. Right. I would love to scream at him for that, that point in time. But I even told him in the text, I'm like, I just, I had to think about it for a little bit, Mike, because I just didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to regret. And mm-hmm. he was, he was super nice. And, you know, he's like, I'm praying for you. And if there's anything I can do, I'd love to 
learn about the situation, try to, you know, not make that mistake again. And yeah. uh, there, there's, like I, I tell everyone, there can't live in the past. There's nothing we can do now that's it's over with. Yeah. Um, but I do get irritated seeing, you know, people online and, and their comments, even directed towards me. And I, I have half a, you know, not even half of a quarter of people are, you know, trying to stick up for Mike, but it's like, you can stick up for him, man, but he did impede the race a little bit and he did definitely obstruct the leader. And I think that he should have just backed off. But like we said, we don't know if he didn't know it was me. So mm-hmm. for him, it's like, he didn't, he didn't really do anything wrong at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, he, yeah. I don't even think he really knew that anyone crashed. Yeah. And the last thing I think that needs to be said is if he did think it was Logan that he's racing against, I mean, you're at the point of lapping these guys, you're going that much faster um, he just, if he thought that was another rider he was battling with, he, he wouldn't have thought that he was going to come up on him. Even if it's yeah. just that one corner, that jump as fast as you were like, you're, yeah. you, you know, you're, you're three quarters into the race. You're three quarters into the race and you're a lap ahead of them. You're going to be moving a lot faster than they are. You're coming by at at a way faster rate of speed. Just in general, it's just a misjudgment, but it's going to be a learning, a learning situation for everybody. Because again, everybody's going to see what has happened and not want to be that person. So I just think it's awesome for you to be able to, to kind of voice where you're at. You should be the person that's most upset and Kind of, kind of talk these people down off the ledge, all these, you know, so-called fans or these trolls, these people that, I mean, spreading yeah. hate is going to create no, no, no good, uh, no good for the sport. No. Mike, Mike is going to go on to, you know, be a, a good professional ATV racer. And we need those guys out there and stuff like this can chase people away from the sport. And we don't want to see well, any of that. Exactly. That's, that's another thing I've been kind of dwelling on the past couple of days is like, yeah, I, I'm super upset. I told him that I'm very pissed off about the situation. Yep. But I don't want Mike to get so discouraged that, you know, he don't want to race anymore because he's freaking, these people online are, are so harsh. Right. And I get it. People are mad and they, they are saying what on the top of their head, right? Right off the top of their head. And then, you know, sometimes you shouldn't say that. Um, so I do, I, I feel bad at that part. But, you know, there's there's a lot of people that understand the situation I've been in and the stuff that I went through um, to even get the two championship I've had. And, and they know how upsetting this is for me. And, you know, to come from such a deficit again, it's like, you know, this is not how we wanted to start. We had a we had a win in the bag, I thought, you know, but racing is racing and lappers do impede races. We've seen it with Dean Wilson and Ken Roxon. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. There's there's plenty of incidents like this that have happened over racing and it, you know, it's just, I, I was in this one and uh, I, I did not, I, I told a bunch of people, I didn't see that coming one bit. I thought, you know, for sure we were going to jump that thing side by side and, or if not, he was going to, you know, check up and jump over the left, just knowing that it was me, but um, that was not the case. And you know what, everybody, every one of us, you know, as, as professional athletes, like you as normal, you know, just everyday people, you know, like me, um, you have to overcome things when you're dealt with it. And, uh, obviously again, think that people should kind of take, uh, you know, take, uh, kind of initiative like you have, you've, you're putting it behind you. Like you're yeah. the one that should be the most upset and you know, okay, like we have a challenge in front of us, but you know, and, yeah. and nobody wants to experience something like that. 
but it is yeah. what it is and we need to move on and to dwell on it is only gonna just hamper hamper your goals hamper what you want to do so uh maybe this is a perfect opportunity for everybody just to just to move on from this thing oh yeah i mean you can imagine uh just from me reading comments like my adrenaline goes from zero to 100 real quick and Mm -hmm. And it's then I get all mad again, and it's like, all right, well, I can't, I couldn't even imagine, you know, if Mike read the comments or Mike's family, like how upset, you know, angry they would be. So it's like, there's nothing that's going to come out of this anymore that's going to be good. Like, everyone just needs to kind of back off and let it go yep. and accept what, accept what I'm saying because it's the truth. And if you don't think it's the truth, then you're full of shit. Mm -hmm. That's just straight, that's straight up. Like, yeah. that's what I believe. And like, it's just, it should be done with now. And um, like you said, I got a lot, I got a lot of work ahead of me, but I've been in this spot before and mm -hmm. I'm pretty good at the chase. So, oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, you know, I just, uh, you know, you, you, I'm sure, you know, we've all experienced this at one point when you read a comment that somebody makes about you and you get this sinking feeling, right? Like in your, in the pit of your stomach and it's horrible. Yeah. Like nobody wants to be that person. Then you think, I always think about like when you hear things being said nasty about racers, athletes, whatever, like you have to think like they're putting, they're putting all of their being into doing their best, right? Like training, working yeah. on their stuff, you know, racing on the track. And then you just go out there, do your best. You make a mistake. And then people are saying such hateful things like, yeah, again, this is the last thing. Like we'll move on after this. Like it, it just, it sucks. It sucks for you. Sucks for him. Sucks for us. Sucks for everybody. But, uh, I mean, that's, that, that is what it is. So the biggest thing, Joel, um, how, how are, how is your health? I mean, are we totally, are we good? Just, just little, little sore. Are we good and going to be good for three palms? We'll be good for three palms. We're not good yet. We're, uh, oh, okay. Still, um, I got a, just from the impact on the hip and the left side, top like that, and directly on my back. I got, I got a couple more appointments to hit, and uh, you know, just just to make sure we're good and there's okay, nothing really jacked up. Um, but you know, there's nothing broke. I got a CT, I got an X-ray, uh, okay. my pelvis, my femur, my hip, and all that. And there's nothing broke, but still some swelling at the time. So I gotta go back and do it again. Okay. Um, but the pain I was having in my right side is gone now, which I'm super happy about. I just okay. have some tenderness on, you know, my butt cheek up top from the impact. Still sore, but um, okay. I got to go back and get checked out again. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that, you know, the, the worst of it's gone. And um, I don't think there's anything really internal that's wrong or broke. I just, uh, just want to double check just because it was my back. And I want to make sure that I'm good before I go out there and start freaking riding and uh, tweak my back or something. I'm like, all right, well now I can't race at all. So I just want to right. double check, well, but it should be fine. I've got some thankfully, bruises still. Th okay. Well, thankfully you got a nice little break here, right? I mean, you got almost a month so you can kind of get everything back in check. Hopefully you're going to use that to your advantage. Yeah. Luckily. And yeah, uh, yeah I mean, Right. So, um, yeah, awesome to, awesome to hear that you're, you're doing okay. Things are looking up. I mean, uh, that's the biggest thing again on Tuesday, uh, there was a period of time there where nobody really knew what, what was going on. Oh. So, uh, glad to know that you're, that you're hanging yeah, in the, there. The Tuesday. I, I wish I would have tried to get back up and finish, but I got bar stabbed so bad in my, like 
groin area, right? Like hip flexor area, I guess. Like it, the bar about yep. freaking went through my leg, it felt like. But I had such a, a, a wave of like coldness in my, my leg, like tingly. I was like, I don't know what this better than good. Just, just I banged up, but double check another x ray. You go to the chiropractor, he'll straighten out again, I'll be good. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. Well, uh, awesome. Glad to hear about that. Um, let's get you out of here on this note. I want to want to end on a positive note here. How uh, how about those CST Pulse MXR tires, pal? They're amazing, huh? Yeah, the CST tires. I know you told everyone, and then I tried to tell everyone, but them things are next level. Even even Jeffrey, he he got on them, uh, you know, a little after me, and he was yeah. like just amazed. And I'm like, I told you. I don't know what, you know, I know the difference and they're better and mm -hmm. they're better because of the difference in the tire. And it's just like, I, I was so blown away by it. I, I just, I mean, you can see entering a couple turners is how I could enter them and, and grab traction um, yeah. where I, where I think that, you know, I pulled a little bit on, on Chad here and there because of that. And for me, I was like, heck yeah, that's, they're just exactly what I thought they were going to be. So. Yeah, man. So I was so excited to, to obviously see that, you know, when that news broke and then we talked about it and all those things I've been preaching it for years that I couldn't believe, um, you know, the, the next level tire that the CST is, um, you know, and I think that, you know, it's going to be your not so secret weapon this season. I think it's going to be really interesting. We talked about this on the season preview that it's been a lot of years where you and Chad have been on the exact same tire. And, uh, to think that, you know, it, I mean, there's going to be a difference there, good, bad, or, or, or indifferent, there's going to be something different there. And yeah. I think that the CST is the advantage. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And I'm excited to get back at home and get on some hard pack and, mm -hmm. and really put them to the test because you know, I've been riding a lot of sand. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's one track down here where he rides hard pack, but I'm, I'm really curious to see what we got on the hard pack because I think we're going to be right where we need to be. And Joel, that's where I saw the biggest difference with the crown of the front tire and then the, yep. the, 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 the side bite that the rears have. I saw the biggest difference on hard pack stuff. That's exactly what I was thinking. Just by looking at them and then, you know, riding them where I rode them, I, I felt the same thing. I'm like, this is going to be really, really good. Yeah. Can't wait. Can't wait to see it. I think it's going to be a heck of a year. Like you said, oh, yeah. start starting in a little hole, but uh, there's a lot of racing yet to be done. And this isn't a hurdle that you haven't had to overcome before. Just like you said. Oh yeah. I've had uh, what was that? 29 points when I won the 2019 championship and it all, you know, came together with the last couple of rounds, you know, unfortunately for uh, Chad with a mechanical, but mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's plenty of racing left. There's a ton of motos left. Um, so I just got to get out there and you know, get to work and hopefully click off some wins and, you know, be safe doing it and just uh, put all this crap behind us. Yeah. Uh, because like we said earlier, there's, there's not more we can do, we can, you know, cry on social media and you know, blame other people and, it's just there ain't nothing we can do, so let's just put it behind us. Uh, if it happens again, yeah, be do whatever you want, <laughs> but I don't think it's going to. No, I don't think so either. I think uh, think we can put that to bed and uh, focus on that it's going to be a fun year of racing. And, uh, man, to see you just with, you know, different machine, different tires, seems like just different vibes. Um, it's, it's awesome to see, and I think it's going to make for a really fun year for you as a rider and then for us as fans too. I'm very excited. I agree. It's going to be an awesome year for everyone. And, 
you know, I think ATBM next is going to get pretty interesting and it's definitely going to be one to watch. Absolutely. Well, we're going to get you out of here on that note, pal. We're just uh, glad that your family's doing so well, obviously with baby Eli, um, you know, glad that you're doing okay. And uh, that you're, that you're, sounds like you're going to be okay to, to fight another day. Joel Hattrick yep. will surely be back. Oh yeah. You know, it. I'll be back. Awesome, man. Well, that's uh, that's former two-time champ Joel Hetrick, who's eager to get back to the winner's circle here in 2021, brought to you by our friends at Factory 43. Just want to thank you again, pal. Stay safe and uh, travel safe, and we'll see you soon. Thanks, Cody. I'll talk to you soon. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. We're probably probably in for uh for really really good season especially as fans here i mean there's a there's a gap in the points but joel looks like he's uh you know like he's faster like he's better than ever um you know chad is obviously going to feel like he's still got something to prove because he came out with the you know the the maximum amount of points but he doesn't feel like he won uh necessarily at least not the way he wanted to so uh as we as we kind of transition into the normal part of the series you know going outdoor racing and all the tracks we're used to these uh these guys racing at um gotta believe that we're in for uh in for uh entertaining summer i would think yeah it's gonna be good i mean a different schedule um a lot of Yamahas, a lot of guys, <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> a lot more reliability in that sense, I guess. And uh, it's really going to be an exciting season. Um, this is a question for you, Cody, when you're the points guy, when, when Joel blew up at Pleasure Valley, mm-hmm. how, how far down was he at that point? Seven. Seven. So it's one, one is a three point or a, Six. Three points for a moto, so six, yep. yeah. Yep. Okay, so you have to win three races to... Four to, four to get in the lead. Six. Yeah, okay. Yep. So three to get even close, and then four to get in the lead. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at a pretty intense season, I guess. Yeah, it should be good. I mean, and now we're going to talk about these other guys. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of other good guys there too. You know, I feel like, um, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like the, the quality of the riders there, you know, lived up to all the hype. And, um, I guess starting at the top of this thing, you know, we wondered who would step up and kind of fill that, that Thomas Brown spot that, you know, as the clear cut podium guy and on Tuesday, there was no doubt that that was Nick Janusa. You know, we touched on it when we were talking about the heat race, you know, he ended up pacing those, those riders, those, those top two guys in the main event, he hung on to them for the longest time. He was within five seconds at the midway point of the race. Um, and, you know, like I said, all day, he was fast in qualifying. He wins the heat. He keeps up with the top two guys and the, the keeps him in, in his sights in the main event there. He's riding all alone in third. It was a very Thomas Brown like day. Um, he ends up, you know, finishing second after what happens to Joel career day for Nick Janusa and uh, got to believe that that's an amazing way to start the season for him. We also got him coming up on the show. I'm excited to hear some positivity in his voice, um, but uh, he could be a guy that, I mean, maybe he's the guy that steps up and kind of I don't know claims that that top three spot as his own I mean I think we kind of said if he can get a start if he can get some starts I mean he could easily be that guy yeah I mean it uh I get like Logan said the intensity is there that we saw so far um 
me and Nick have had many conversations of what do I think you can, what do you think I can do to, to be better? And I always said, you know, you got to ride past a certain edge at points. And Nick always said he, he likes where he's at. He likes to be comfortable. He doesn't want to get hurt. He doesn't. And I think that we saw that. And I think he pushed past that point and he was comfortable with it and uh, he felt good. And I'm really, really, really happy to see him up front like that. And I mean, just seeing him come off that track in the second place and just the vibes of him and his family and everything. It, it was awesome to see Nick up, up in second place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the competence is going to do wonders for Nick. You know, it's so hard to judge any, anyone completely off of Daytona. It's a different beast in its own. Yep. And I think that, but just the confidence is something that Nick needs. Um, not that I think he lacks confidence in himself, but you guys know we've all raced. Like once you get onto a high, it almost becomes easier to repeat. You know, we've seen Nick podium, uh, what, two years ago, I think. And then it just seemed like he couldn't repeat it. And when you come off of that day, not even just in the main event, but just his day in general, I think it's going to give him the extra boost that he needs. You know, we didn't get to see the performance that we kind of thought we were going to see out of Bryce Ford. We didn't get to see the performance out of Jeffrey Rochelle. Those guys both, you know, Jeffrey crashing in the first turn, Bryce Ford with issues. So, but I think confidence is going to be everything for Nick Janusa right now. Yeah. I, Logan, I, I feel like when expectation, when it becomes expectation, that's when, uh, when you can see it shift in a guy, um, you know, on, instead of hoping, you know, this is the day you're going to get back on the podium. If you can have it, you know, become, Hey, I expect to be on the podium, which is probably a, a great way to start the season for Nick. Uh, that could be dangerous for the rest of the guys. Yeah, I mean, Nick's coming off a long season or a long preseason training by himself. So like he said on podium, he wasn't sure where he was going to stack up. And before the season, we weren't talking about Nick getting on podium. We were talking about Bryce Ford. We were talking about Max. We were talking about Brandon and Jeffrey. Mm -hmm. So for Nick to come out and not only perform without that confidence, because coming into the day, I don't think he had the confidence to beat those guys, Mm -hmm. um, for him to get second. Um, and top all of those guys who are expected to beat him, I'm sure that's going to just propel him towards the next race. And it didn't look like a flash in the pan. It was kind of all day. I mean, he was consistently really, really good all day. So that was cool to see. Congrats to him. Uh, Janusa, you know, never really had to battle anybody. It didn't seem like, like in the main event there, he was kind of in no man's land. Uh, That was the direct opposite for third and the final podium spot. It started as a three-way battle between Wesley Max and Brandon Hogue. Um, You know, Brandon actually got by both of those guys and then got stuck in a berm and then it turned into a two-man battle between Wesley and uh, rookie Max Lindquist. And, um, you know, all I could think of was Casey saying on the season preview podcast, uh, if Max, you know, runs it up on, on Wesley Wolf, he's going to plow into him. And uh, I'm pretty sure he might have done so. <laughs> they plowed each other at least a hundred times. I know. I know. I know. Like, at one point, Brandon Hogue passed both of them, split them down the middle with his feet up over his head. Right. It, those guys were just going for it. And like Max is like, I got arm pumped because we hit each other so many times so hard. But good for Max. Like he's stuck in there with those guys. And, you know, Brandon's no slouch. Wesley's no slouch. And, you know, these guys have been racing the pro class for a few years now. 
And I mean, Max, Max lived up to the hype this weekend. Oh, yeah, Max, and, and he didn't just, you know, he could have settled for fourth, I feel like, um, and just, you know, been pumped on the day. And man, he gave Wesley all he could handle and made, you know, made the pass a few times and made a serious run in the last lap for that final podium spot. Um, the, the kid is simply incredible. Like he... Casey, you said that he was going to, you know, push for podiums this season. I don't, I wasn't necessary. I mean, I'm totally part of the fan club and I don't know if I was on board with that yet, but I'm on board with it now. I can't believe that that was that kid's first pro race. That's incredible. He actually blew a berm on the last lap. And I talked to him after the race and he's like, I had it all picked out. He's like, I was going to slam him in the last corner and then we were going to double and and he would have had no chance to get back around me so just uh, crazy you know he i was like man like it would have been cool for him to set that record and get a you know pro podium on his rookie debut but i really think it come down to his performance was because i went over to him and just told him flat out like look i picked you on my fantasy team there's no there's no bullshit here like it's serious and you have to perform and like even after the race he came over and he's like hey did i let you down on the fantasy team i said no you're my top finisher so i'm doing pretty good what about anybody else got anything to say about max i mean incredible I think it, incredible ride. yeah um amazing a performance uh you know i don't see much talk about max right now uh i have plans of obviously posting stuff but good ride max awesome ride um yeah last uh last lap you almost slowed it on that berm you you went over and you were stuck but uh i'm i'm glad you uh you know got out of there another thing is uh vince merman just got out of the hospital if anyone didn't know that he had uh, a crazy i guess a hematoma or something that needed to be cut open and uh and no one's talked about that just in general and i'm glad that he's you know and I don't think a lot of people even knew he was hurt. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that he just got out today. He was texting me and uh, good for you, Vince. And I hope you heal up and I hope we see you in Texas. Yeah. I heard about that. Um, I heard, I, I knew he was hurt and I heard a couple people say, you know, that it could have been like, it was possibly pretty serious. And yeah, it sounded like you ripped like the artery in his inner thigh that like runs your leg and uh, yeah, like had emergency surgery and all kinds of stuff. Like, sounds like he's, you know, on the men now. Um, but yeah, I put that out there yesterday when, when he kind of shot me a message and, uh, yeah, I mean, thankful he's okay. Does anybody know what happened there? It happened in the heat race. Yeah. yeah. He, he landed on Brandon, um, like just kind of on the edge of him. I think it's the same jump that um, exactly the, the same jump. Yeah. The Joel thing and Michael thing went down on and it's just a weird, another weird deal. And he flipped and, he ruptured the artery in his thigh, but like, I didn't even know anything about that. And I was sitting there talking to him after the heat race and I'm like, what's wrong? Like, cause he could just, he was dazed. And I'm like, what heat race were you in? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, um, somebody needs to get this kid checked out. And then he went in his camper and like cooled off and come back out and you're sitting on Tim Detling's tailgate. And he had like real dark glasses on. I said, take your glasses off. And I looked him straight in the face and I'm like, whoa. Like his pupils were so dilated. I'm like, I turned around, I grabbed Tim. I said, someone needs to take that kid to the hospital. I said, I don't know what's going on with his leg, but that don't look humanly possible. And he's got a bad concussion. Like, and he ended up not having a concussion, 
but he doesn't remember anything. So I don't know how that works. I'm not so a doctor though. With, with what else was going on with his body, obviously must've just thrown yeah. off that bad. Yeah. That's scary stuff. So yeah. Um, obviously glad that he's doing okay there. That's scary, but, uh, okay. So, so ultimately Wesley Wolf, um, who kept the news of him riding for Johnny Hale completely under wraps this off season. I feel like comes out in his first race with uh, the team and earns his uh, first career podium finish. Pretty awesome there. And that was also um, Johnny's first pro podium as a team owner as well. So congrats to JH, but uh, awesome to see Wesley Wolf. I feel like he was another guy, you know, we weren't talking a ton about talked about Wesley's going to Wesley. Um, but I feel like Wesley, you know, going to Wesley, I feel like he grabbed another gear there. Like he, uh, uh, that was impressive to get a get a podium finish there. I feel like, um, you know, I feel like maybe that was a little off the radar, and he slayed it. Yeah, but he's still Wesley, but because you don't know, like he could be third, he could <laughs> win. Like the dude's fast. There's, we've always said it. He's he's gonna do it, you know, at some point. But no, he rode great, and you know, those guys battled tooth and nail, and there's nothing you can take from it. at times. They were literally three wide in a 10-foot wide section of the track. Mm -hmm. Yeah, awesome ride for Wesley. Um, we talked about it previously. You don't know how fast he's going. He always looks like he's the fastest guy on the track. <laughs> more more rev limiter than Justin Barsha himself. So, yeah, awesome job, Wesley. It was cool to see you on the podium. It's uh, yeah, good ride, buddy. Yeah, I mean, coming into the season, I wasn't expecting to see anything from Wesley. I wasn't even sure if he was still racing. Like, he was super under the radar, had no idea what was going on. But, I mean, I, I, he's a really cool kid. I mean, he, he makes everybody laugh at the track, so it was awesome to see him get up on the podium. Yeah, I mean, recently I was on the Split Line Off-Road podcast, and they said, hey, is uh, Wesley Wolf racing? And I'm like, because it's a GNCC podcast and primarily. And I'm like, yeah, I think so. I think so. And now he grabs a, grabs a podium at the opener. So uh, yeah, he killed it. And to just uh, wrap up the Max Linquist talk, um, we knew he was going to be good, but I think I was still more impressed than, than I anticipated. Like I said before, I mean, fourth in his pro debut, just like uh, Bryce Ford a season ago. And I think, um, you know, he was just as advertised, but I, I, I think his speed was even more than I expected, at least for me. I mean, I was, I came away crazy impressed with his uh, one lap speed. We knew he was going to be consistent top five in the mix and all those things strong at the end of the races. But um, to think that that was his, his first race as a pro and to have a speed right there as a 17 year old kid um, sky's the limit for him, for sure. Yeah. I think that we summed him up pretty good. Mm -hmm. All He's right. Doing it. All right. Brandon Hogue, he ended up uh, fifth on the, on the day. Great result for Brandon after, um, you know, injury ended his season prematurely last year. So it was a good return to racing for him. And until lap 10, it looked like he was maybe going to be the guy to inherit that, that, you know, that third place podium spot. Um, but he stuck it in a berm and uh, something happened. It looked like maybe he, um, you know, ran out of steam, got out of touch with the, you know, with Max and Wesley there and uh, sounded like maybe he was battling something mechanically as well, but to get out of there with a top five finish. And um, you know, there's a number of riders that found themselves landing on their head and all kinds of other stuff going on in that main event there for Brandon to come out of uh, Daytona with the top five. I feel like he'd probably take that. So um, you guys, some of you guys probably talked to him. Uh, got to feel like he's feeling pretty decent after that race there. Um. He's pretty hard on himself. If anyone knows Brandon, he's, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. he's never, you know, he, he's a top guy and uh, he, he don't, he won't settle for less. 
I wish he would uh, be a little less hard on himself, you know, stop beating himself up mentally over certain things. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, the first thing he did um, at Decker's uh, Decker training facility still is he went out and did a, you know, a couple hour road bike ride, you know, like the day after Daytona, he's just, he's beating himself up. And uh, I want him to know, like, you know, it's not the end of the world. Like you, you, you're a top contender bud and you'll be up there and just give it time and take it easy and be smart. Like, you know, all these other guys have for years and you you don't have years of experience like they do and it'll come one day. And uh, he's a great rider and uh, it's still a great ride for him. I know he's not happy about it, but uh, he'll be up there someday. Yeah. I mean, Gloop summed it up pretty good. Brandon's incredibly hard on himself and almost to the point where it mentally Mentally, it sets him back. I mean, he's in great physical shape. Like, he has the endurance to go the whole time. And I think he kind of expected just to kind of blow by maybe the guys he was racing against and be able to check out on him. And they were kind of matching his pace. And maybe that kind of got to him. I I know he said he pumped up a little bit. Um, But it's Daytona. And, you know, we're going to go to the next round. And he's going to be just fine. And. You know, it's kind of exactly what Gloop said. Like, dude, chill. You're going to be okay. <laughs> right. And, uh, and and then as we move on to the rest of the, the races there, Bryce Ford um, suffered a mechanical issue, obviously, in the heat, like we talked about. Suffered another one at the start of the main. Um, he posted a picture on social media of the guys, you know, kind of racing into the first corner. He's still back at the starting gate. Um and, uh, yeah, he kind of had to watch everybody race into the first corner there, but he salvaged the sixth on the day. So considering how everything went, uh, I would assume obviously wasn't happy, um, but to get out of there unscathed and I guess with six place points could have been worse. And, uh, you know, you know, he's going to be out for blood on Texas soil, um, at three palms about a month from now. Uh, we saw some good things from him last year and I got to believe, um, he's going to be, going to be looking for the win or something like it at three palms next month yeah bryce will be rolling at three palms for sure um i know he had if you saw he went in that wall wide open and it kind of like looked like he stalled it but he had a clutch clutch issue um in this heat race and then on i don't know what happened on the gate but uh he i think he bumped the gate so he was laid off the line Mm -hmm. but i mean he, he was rolling through the pack and i mean uh, three palms we're gonna see him up front for sure mm-hmm. yeah i didn't know if it was whether uh whether it was just a new clutch that wasn't broken or whatever the case may be i mean they they said that it was another clutch issue um in the main event there but yeah i saw him hit the gate just didn't know if that was if if there was something faulty in that clutch there or if it uh you know was just not broken clutch or whatever um with that but yeah for bryce it was uh was a was a solid um solid at least salvage mode day for him there and uh jeffrey too i mean jeffrey you know flipped his quad right side up after the first corner incident there and salvaged seventh place in points you know on paper obviously doesn't want to be seventh um you know we've been kind of harping on the the renaissance year for him and all these things but uh you know for him to race up to seventh after what happened in the first corner i got to uh you know you know, believe that um, Jeffrey's obviously not going to be happy with that, but good way to salvage some stuff. What was the vibes like uh, after the race, Casey? I, I feel like, um, you know, Jeffrey's head is has been in a good spot, and I'm hoping that he's still, you know, feeling like he's going for podiums when we get to uh, Texas. Yeah, I mean, all day he felt like, you know, when he blew the berm in the heat race, he felt like he gave away gave away the heat race win, 
And then, you know, I was like flipping in the first turn and in the main event and riding, I, like I told him, I said, I felt like you rode a good pace the whole time. Like you didn't, your lap times didn't drop off drastically. You stayed intense. You worked your way through and, you know, Bryce, you know, hit the gate, um, clutch issue or whatever it was. And then, you know, got off the gate while Bryce like passed Jeffrey while he was still flipping his bike back over and why Cody was still, you know, all that stuff was going on. So, you know, he finished right there with Bryce in a sense. And so he wasn't happy with seventh. Like he's like, I just rode my butt off to come through the pack and like just never gave up. Just you could tell like he was on a mission to try to come through the pack and to end up seventh. He was disappointed in that just because he felt like he rode hard enough to maybe end up with a top five, but there you got seven, eight guys. Like if you're, if you're rolled over in the first turn, there's the chance of getting up there. Like seventh is pretty much where you're going to be able to get up there. Yeah. Unless you're, you know, we've seen Chad go come all the way back to second and stuff like that before, but I, I don't, I think those days are numbered, you know, Mm -hmm. even with a Chad or a Joel, if something goes on, these guys are, really up the pace now yeah i feel like uh like you're exactly right i mean they weren't doing that in this this group of riders this talent pool so um yeah yeah good ride for good ride for jeffrey i'm hoping uh hopefully we can see him um you know up there soon so we asked these guys logan on the last episode um you know how soon we would uh you know see jeffrey on the podium so i'll ask you we've seen him race now we've seen his speed i thought he looked like uh you know riding wise i thought he was riding really well um at daytona how soon do you expect us to see jeffrey on the podium at one of these things um i'd say at least in the first half of the season, if Jeffrey didn't, I mean, he was in a good place on that start, probably better than we've seen him on a start all last year. Honestly, um, And if he wouldn't have gotten flipped, he would have been on the podium. I think as long as he didn't make any mistakes. So I think he's in a very good position to make this one of a comeback season and one of the best seasons um, he's ever had in the pro class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, you're, you're spot on. I feel like uh, for he, for him, uh, especially kind of reading the lines, you know, by what he's saying and in, in his posts and stuff, he feels like that one got away from him because he had a good, good start, good hole shot. And uh, he knows what that could have led to. So um, I agree. And like I said, last on the last episode, so many people want to see him uh, have a good day like that, be out front. So um, yeah, excited to, excited to see Jeffrey get back up there. And I want to cover the rest of the riders here as we kind of finish this thing up. Uh, Michael Allred, who we talked about, he finished eighth uh, on the day. I'm hoping, hoping that uh, Mike can find a way to uh, not let anything overshadow this too much. Cause that's a killer finish and he should be proud of that. Logan Stanfield um, finished uh, ninth on the day. Uh, VTEC, the, the, the Polish rider uh, down in the first corner comes back to finish a uh, 10th top 10 ride for him made a last lap, last corner pass for the top 10, I believe. So, um, so that was killer. Uh, Michael Perkins, ended up 11th Cesar Jimenez 12th Patrick Torini the Italian rider I think he's done now in the states as far as I know from what Chad said uh he ends up he ends up 13th um I think that uh would have liked to have seen him without an incident in the first corner there because I feel like he uh 
could have been a top 10 rider. Um, know a lot of people had him picked for their fantasy stuff. Uh, Ty Hudson ended up 14th. Um, Joel Hetrick ended up uh, 15th with uh, the incident that happened there. Cody Ford was involved in that first corner uh, wreck. I think he took a pretty good lick. So um, he ends up getting scored 16th. I think he just rolled across the finish line on the last lap for points. And Vince Merman, we talked about him. Uh, he was the the one additional rider there, got hurt in the heat. Thankfully, he's uh, he's doing okay. Sounds like he's going to be okay and back on the mend and everything, but pretty scary situation there. So with round one in the books, I want to ask you guys kind of go down the list here, uh, maybe what you learned or what your biggest takeaway was um, from Daytona. What, what's the, you know, thing that's kind of stuck in your memory that, you know, you're going to remember from this race, whether it be now, or when you think back to, um, you know, this event, uh, maybe years down the road, but it's a memorable one. It was a crazy one. So Logan, I'll start with you on this. What's your biggest takeaway from uh, round one of 2021? Hmm, biggest takeaway. Um, the biggest thing that I've seen, maybe not that I, I, it's just, I've noticed that this year is a big year. I don't know if it's the Yamaha switch. I don't know if it's because Thomas was uh, retired and everybody sees that open spot on the podium. I don't know what it is, but I feel like, um, the class from first through the entire class, there was intense battles. There was a lot of heart out on the racetrack through the entire class, not just like first and second battling. And then maybe a fifth place battle. It was through the entire pack. There were intense battles through the entire race. And I'm excited to see how that plays out on the bigger national tracks. Yeah. It's going to be exciting. I feel like it was like, we got a little tease to what's going to happen the rest of the season here. So, uh, Gloop, what about you? What's your biggest takeaway or, um, what'd you learn at Daytona? What stands out to you? <laughs> Honest opinion. Um, realistically, I think Daytona is a little bit too dangerous for quads at this point. If, uh, if something isn't changed up or people start caring a little bit more, I don't see the point in going back. And I know I'm going to get in trouble for this by, something somehow some way but you know a lot of people get hurt there a lot of people and it's usually on the atv side of things and uh not not just because it's joel this year and and you know vince got hurt and it's just it's a sketchy place it's a sketchy place to have quads on and obviously we have a great track builder and there's a lot of good people behind it but to start off there and to not kind of feel the love from people involved in it uh, I just don't think that we should go back there. And, and I think we should stick to outdoors, you know, considering that that's a super cross, you know, the nationals, this, you know, where people can not have to worry about getting into lappers, not have to worry about bumping and grinding, you know, for a whole 20 minutes. And um, other than that negative note, I guess you can say, or real opinion. Um, yeah. Like the field this year is stacked. Um, with Thomas out, that third place position is wide open, as well as let's split the difference between uh, Joel and Chad some motos. Let's get guys up there in front and second and third, and it's going to be a good season, and I'm excited for it. Yeah, can't wait. Clute, uh, before before you uh, before we pass by that, does it is it starting to feel at Daytona like quads are the sideshow, or, or what are you referencing there? I, you know, it's just a lot of money, and it's a for the racers, not for me, obviously, you know, I get, I get help and get in there mm-hmm. and yep. park and yep. all that yep. stuff, yep. but yep. Um, 
it just doesn't seem like it, it feels like we're there to fill some kind of something. I don't know. It doesn't seem like it matters anymore. And I wish we would go to places that care about having us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think you're, I didn't want to let it pass by without at least getting a comment on it because um, I, you know, I, I kind of feel the same way. I mean, you want to go to places that like having you and uh I just, I wonder, you know, there's the mystique of going to Daytona, right? Like you can say we race at Daytona, um, which is awesome, but it was awesome when we had the quad day and all those quad fans and people in the, in the crowd was stacked and it was standing room only for quad stuff and whatever. And now, I mean, I just don't know how much I love that the quads are there and everything like it's great. You know, it's great that the quads get to race at Daytona. Just don't know that it makes that much sense. Yeah. And everything there. I mean, this is my opinion. I'm going to get in trouble some way. I, I mean, it is what it is. But everything there this year was an extra three steps over extra two steps that it's been years previously. Just getting out of the place. You know, everyone in there was locked in by three or four different gates for for what reasoning I don't know. COVID, blah blah blah. Okay. But everything this year just didn't seem right, and I didn't even get a shower this year because the shower houses are closed. Well, you can you can go to the bathroom, but uh, you know you can't shower. Next, you know, so sure. either way, everything this year was kind of just a pain for me okay. in general, and that's my opinion. I'm allowed to have it if anyone. But uh, yeah. I just, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't see the point in going back there. If, if we're not appreciated or if we're not highlighting some kind of talents, you know, that track is very tight for quads to be on two quads wides, just about enough there, you know? So yeah. amen to that. Just, yeah. It's just dangerous. Yeah. What about you, Casey? What's your uh, biggest, biggest takeaway? What'd you learn? Uh, how are you going to remember Daytona 2021? I'm kind of glad uh, Gloop brought that in instead of me bringing that in because <laughs> um, I agree on multiple points that Gloop made um, about the track. I think Randy Folder did a great job, like his prep in between, like when we would go, when the quads would come on the track, they did a great job with that. Um, I didn't experience so much like the showers being closed or stuff like that. Like I had a hotel. So it's a little bit different, but I did experience like when you're trying to get out of the place, it was a little awkward this year where usually you, you can just kind of streamline out of there. It'd take you about 20 minutes to get out of the place. Um, the narrowness of the track, and that's not Randy Poulter's fault. He's he's only dealt so much real estate was probably the biggest complaint that I had about the track. Um, and it's just sketchy. I mean, I agree with Gloop there. Like it's, you know... <sighs> The vibe's so cool. We're parking on asphalt. Like I, su- I enjoy that so much. Mm-hmm. Um, the parking could be ten times better than it is in a sense, like because we only had thirteen, fourteen rigs there, so we could have tightened it up and made it more of a supercross paddock feel. Mm-hmm. But I mean, whatever. We're critiquing little things. Um, if we didn't go back, it wouldn't necessarily hurt my feelings. So I can agree with that. Um, the thing that I take away is I feel like um, kind of what Logan said too is this the class is stacked and I'm excited to see different guys in different positions every single weekend like sometimes we fall into a rut or we feel like it's stagnant I don't think we're going to have that this year I, I think we know we have um, Chad and Joel are obvious players but I think there's other guys that are right there 
And again, like we're going to be the dead horse, like that third place spot is still wide open in my eyes. No, I agree. Um, I think that it's, uh, it's going to be really exciting. I don't think that you can just slot these guys into, you know, a given position and, uh, you know, know exactly where they're going to finish on a, on a given, um, weekend. So that part is exciting. Uh, gonna kind of, uh, gonna wrap things up. This is kind of the, the last question that I want to shoot over to you guys. Um, so Joel finds himself 19 points down, uh, whole seasons ahead of us, basically, you know, the entire thing, obviously, um, the best man's going to win this title, no matter what, it doesn't matter. I don't think what happened at this first race. Um, and we're in for a I think it sets up, you know, it sets the table for a great, uh, you know, great show for us, great show for us fans. Um, Joel looks ridiculous on the Yamaha. Chad has this points lead at this point. So it's going to be a incredible, incredible summer of racing Gloop and Casey, both of you guys picked Joel for this title. Um, are you guys any more or less confident after seeing him rip at Daytona? More. That's the, that's the answer I expected. Yeah. <laughs> totally confident in his performance this year. He, he looked awesome. Phenomenal. What about you? Jeff? Yeah. First, I mean, pretty much. I, I've never, I mean, I've always had the immense amount of confidence in Joel. So that's obviously my sure pick always. And um, he, <laughs> I got to see him. I mean, I, I was with him at Mesa down in Florida for four days the week before the race mm-hmm. and watched him ride, obviously lots and lots of laps. And I was like, wow, like he's fast. Chad rode. I'm like, okay, Chad's fast. Jeffrey rode. Jeffrey's fast. All right. We go to a place on Friday where it's just him and uh, Jeffrey and they're breaking race bikes and he uncorked it. And I was like, oh, like I just got chills. Like it was insane. Like, Jeffrey was flat out flying and Joe was still like two tenths, three tenths faster a lap on a 47 second lap time track. And I'm just like, Oh wow. It, it was a different level than what I've seen him ride at all week. Oh, wow. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, you guys are, and, and that's, again, that's the, that's the, that's the answer I expected there. Logan, um, who's your title pick? You get the advantage. You get the advantage of you know seeing where the where the points are now, watching this first race because um, we didn't get to talk to you on the last episode. Who's your title pick? I'm going for Joel too. Everybody loves a comeback story, and Joel's had a mistake at Daytona before and has won the championship before. So I think he's in a better position ever than he has this year, even though the cars may not have played in his favor at Daytona. Man, can't wait to watch how this summer plays out, um, guys. That's gonna do it. We'll uh, we we have some riders um, coming up next. Conversations with Chad Ween and Nick Janusa and Max Linquist are coming up. Uh, Want to congratulate all eight riders who tied for the win in the, in the opening round of Digging Deep ATVMX Fantasy. Uh, you know those players had a team of Chad Weenan, Nick Janusa, Max Linquist, and Michael Allred. So congrats to those guys. Um, there will be some tier kind of. Uh, 
you know, fluctuation at this point. You can, uh, you can see that if you go look, uh, you know, at the app or the website now. Um, but yeah, it's not too late also to, to join us at atbfantasy.com. We had a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, for you guys that are playing, I know Logan and uh, Casey, you guys are. Um, I hope you guys had as much fun as I did. I know that the, the results were topsy-turvy. Maybe, maybe it wasn't that, uh, that impressive for you guys that way. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, th- I got a bunch of messages from people saying that, um, you know, kind of my, my hope for it uh, was kind of coming true for them. They weren't just watching the battle at the front. They were keeping tabs on everybody because, you know, they were forced to pick riders throughout the class for their team. Yeah. I mean, I, I've made my fantasy thing pretty clear. I'm terrible at did, it, but did you have I fun? Enjoy. Did you have fun? Well, it was the bad part is like at one point, I think I would probably have the clear lead. If Brandon Hogue would end up fourth and Max Lindquist fifth and Michael Allred eighth. Honestly, yeah. And Joel won, there no one would have touched me, but <laughs> it, it didn't it didn't go that way. So no, absolutely fun. And and that's why like as soon as you mentioned it to me when we talked, you know, I was just like, Yeah, like I'm in. I'll do it. So I hope, you know, hey, Joel's Joel's down some points. I'm down some points. If you didn't sign up last weekend, like let's do it together and let's, let's make a comeback to this thing. Hey, the cool thing is that, uh, is that there's enough people playing that you can be mid pack and you're 93rd. Like that's sick. Like the fact that the fact that we had enough people playing for that kind of competition, I feel like that's pretty cool. And honestly, the way that it went, you know, cause obviously we're hand, you know, we're giving out awards and prizes and stuff for, you know, weekly and then, you know, season ending well with Joel throwing us a curveball at the beginning of the year here, uh, it could keep things tight throughout. So it could be pretty exciting. Yeah, for sure. And uh, keep rubbing it in. <laughs> Logan, did you have fun? Yeah, it's always so much fun. Even with the Supercross, I always get – it's just a different experience watching the racing when you're actually involved in it like that. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and I uh, appreciate you guys playing. I appreciate everybody playing. It was uh, a lot of fun. Guys, uh, I take, I've taken enough of your time tonight. I can't thank you enough for uh, you know for joining me, taking the time to cover everything that happened here. Again, I feel like we uh, – covered some things that needed to be covered, put some, put some, uh, you know, planting of some seeds on some stuff for some guys there. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, trying to, trying to preach the positive message of, uh, ATV racing to people and, uh, you know, want to, uh, just thank you guys for taking the time to help cover everything with me. I feel like we couldn't have had any three people that were more plugged in, more knowledgeable, more in tune with what's going on. So I appreciate all of your time. Thanks for having us, Cody, and uh, thanks for doing what you do. Uh, it's uh, it's our outlet to be able to get the word out there and at least our opinions. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Cody, and shameless plug. Everybody watch uh, that recap from ATV Motocross on uh, their Facebook and YouTube channel, and uh, you guys can see all the action from Daytona. And thanks for having me on again. The ride too, right? Yeah, and check out the ride. I didn't want to shameless play myself. So. <laughs> and what, what, awesome. Well, I can't thank you guys enough. And what about you, Logan? Do we uh, do we have another installment of uh, you know the stuff that you've been working on? Do we got a new one coming? Who's on the next one? Not for Daytona because it was going to be on the Fords, and they both had both had rough races, oh, okay. so it's going to be pushed back until Daytona or until Texas. I'm going to go out there probably a week early and get some awesome. behind the scenes stuff. But yeah. You see another episode coming soon. 
Awesome. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. I, I was thinking maybe the Fords are going to be the next one. So that makes a lot of sense. Awesome, guys. Well, let's uh, let's talk to some riders, the riders who headlined the action at Daytona. And I want to uh, just thank you guys again for everything. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Cody. Thanks, guys. Welcome to the team, two-time champ Joel Hetrick, who dropped the biggest news of the offseason when he announced his move to CST Tires. The CST takeover has been gaining momentum over the past several seasons, and now Joel Hetrick and his Phoenix Racing teammate Jeffrey Rastrelli are the most recent additions. The Pulse MXR tire has helped lead riders like Thomas Brown to race wins in three consecutive Quad Cross of Nations titles, Nick Janusa to the Pro Class podium, myself Cody Jansen as I rode my Pulse MXR fronts and white label soft compound rears to back-to-back national championships in the Junior 25 Plus class, and the most recent additions have us thinking a Pro Class national championship is on the horizon for CST tires. The Pulse MXR tire, available in soft and standard compounds, offers the highest level of traction, most predictable cornering, and superior wear characteristics when compared to the competition. Visit shop.csttires.com to join the CST takeover today, or prepare to be beat by someone who did. Joel Hetrick, Jeffrey Rastrelli, Nick Janusa, myself, and so many others are believers in CST tires. Are you? CST Tires, where passion meets the ground. You already know we're Team Blue Crew here at the Digging Deep ATV MX podcast. Whether it's second all-time winningest, seven-time and reigning ATV MX Pro Class National Champion Chad Wienan, or six-time and current XC1 Pro ATV GNCC National Champion Walker Fowler, it's clear the podium-proven Yamaha YFC 450R is the winning choice of sport ATVs. This unprecedented success for the YFC 450R, its unrivaled quality and performance, and the undeniable fact that Yamaha is the leading OEM supporter of ATV racing has created a Yamaha takeover within the sport quad market. Better yet, Yamaha's Blue Crew Racer Support Program is back and even stronger for 2021, meaning Yamaha riders are about to cash in on higher payouts and more prize opportunities, including a chance to win a brand new YFZ 450R. For more info, head over to YamahaBlueCrew.com, follow them on social media at Yamaha Outdoors, and check out Yamaha's full proven off-road lineup at YamahaOutdoors.com today. For over 150 years, Valvoline has led the charge by being dedicated to constant improvement and innovation across all disciplines of racing. Valvoline has sponsored some of the greatest names in motorsports, and for the better part of a decade, I've been fortunate enough to be part of the historically great Team Valvoline. From my commuting vehicles to small engines, race quads, and everything in between, I trust nothing but Valvoline in all of my equipment. I've experienced increased function and durability as well as a longer life expectancy thanks to Valvoline's array of products and lubricants. Since 1866, Valvoline has been focused on bettering your experience, whether on road, on track, and everywhere in between. Upgrade to Valvoline today and check them out at valvoline.com. SSI decals is a name synonymous with ATV racing, synonymous with big time success, and absolutely synonymous with the best looking decals around. An offshoot of their parent company that was established in 1947, SSI first took shape from owner Ian Harris's passion for ATVs. With what started as just making numbers and decals for riders like Chad Wienan, the company quickly took off. And today, you couldn't imagine ATV motocross without SSI decals. The graphics maker and designer now supports all the top teams in ATV motocross, as well as teams and riders racing GNCC, Work Series, 
Pro Motocross and Supercross, Canadian Pro Motocross, Short Course Off-Road Trucks, UTVs, Snowcross, and, oh yeah, six-time NHRA World Champion Clay Milliken. No project is too big or too small for SSI decals, making your identity stick with championship-level graphics. Head over to SSIDecals.com today and then maybe call the doctor because things are about to get sick. And now, brought to you by Valvoline, the original motor oil. Check out their full line of products at Valvoline.com. I'm proud to introduce your seven-time AMA ATV Pro Class National Champion and now five-time Daytona ATV Supercross winner, fresh off his most recent victory. It's Mr. Chad Weenan. What's up, buddy? Thanks for jumping back on Digging Deep with us. Cody, yeah, everything's going good, man. Just, yeah, coming off that fifth win and, ah, just a crazy weekend to say the least. Like, a lot of a lot of things going on and, uh, like, the first, first race weekend with our baby girl being here and, um, yeah, we're, we're back to racing in 2021, man. It's crazy. Yeah, man. I, so I texted you, uh, this just the other day, but it feels just like yesterday that, uh, you know, we were sitting down, um, for the interview last year after your fourth win at Daytona. And I vividly remember this because it was right before COVID really hit. I mean, it was that same day that, uh, that Supercross and Indy had been canceled. The NCAA basketball tournament had been canceled baseball. I mean, I remember kind of telling you like what's going on in the world at the time. And, uh, it was the beginning of the end basically. So it feels just like yesterday that we were talking about this stuff. You were showing me, uh, you know, your Daytona trophy on the zoom call and here we are again it feels like the world's in such a different place but uh yeah here we are again another year and another another win for you to kick off the season yeah I mean, it, it it seems like so long ago but so, so soon just uh years past past and gone already and here we are getting started on our 21 2021 campaign for the championship and we started off great. We got a we got a whole shot and a win, and you know it was an intense battle, like all the way through, and uh, fireworks, you know, throughout the race. So it's a pretty wild event, and we're gonna break it down here, I guess, huh? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I want to start uh, by having you tell me about your off-season prep a little bit because, um, you know, heading into this season, you know, you're you're 36 years old now, and that's part of what intrigues me so much because I feel like um, you've become such a – I mean, you've taken your professionalism to another level. I feel like, you know, you grow more conscious of, um, you know, what your body needs with each passing year. You're always bettering your program in general. So um, this off season, did you tweak anything with your program, whether it be your body, your machine, you know, what have you? Um, and how were you feeling about your program going into the beginning of the season here? Yeah, I mean, I'm always looking for things to upgrade between my program and also, you know, my you know taking care of my body and you know I am 36 years old and things don't uh things don't get easier from there so um just trying to make sure that my body's running efficiently and uh you know changing my diet to a plant-based diet and that's really worked very well for me and the way that I recover and the way that I feel and the energy every day and uh it's man uh it's, it's tough because you know I don't think I'd be able to do it without like, you know, my wife being on board with it and, you know, my family as well. And obviously we have Lake and, you know, he's eating a lot of like different food. He's, he's learning a lot, you know, and 
and we're not like uh, keeping him on like a plant-based diet. We're letting him kind of choose, pick and choose. And um, I know like when I was younger, I didn't eat any of that stuff. And it's pretty wild, you know, that I'm, I'm eat. that's all I'm eating now. So it's, it's very, uh, it's very humbling, but you know, I'm just, I'm enjoying it. And my body is, uh, it feels like I'm in my twenties again. So I'm, I'm recharged and we're, we're looking forward to a year. Yeah. That's awesome. What was it like when you first switched over to plant-based? I mean, was it, uh, was it like, I, I, sometimes when I think of that, you worry about maybe being low on energy, but that's obviously not the case. No, like it's, uh, I guess I didn't really feel anything until, you know, it was, it was probably about a month in, uh, you know, maybe a little bit less and you start to, your body starts to get really used to, you know, the foods that you're eating and like the reactions that you get to different foods that you would eat that weren't necessarily plant-based and, you know, your body reacts very well where it's not, um, being, you know, getting any sort of allergic reaction or any sort of like any sort of reaction like that, where your body is, you know, rejecting it. And Mm -hmm. that way your body's running efficiently. And it's, it's been like a, really big part of my program now. And I know I'm kind of like, man, like, what if I would have done this back in my twenties, you know, what, what place would I be at? But man, like it's fun learning things and bringing extra things to my program that uh, are working well for me. That's interesting. It's super interesting to hear about because that is how our bodies are meant to work. So, um, so yeah, super, super cool to hear about that. So let's uh, transition over to Daytona a little bit. Um, okay, so you're sitting on the gate uh, for the first time qualifier of the season. Um, this is the first time that everybody's been together in 2021, all the riders. You look around and you see a pro class made up of nearly all Yamaha YFZ450Rs. Um, and uh, all, but, all but three or four, I guess. And, and I have to believe that deep down, you have to feel, you know, a great deal of pride in that because from day one with the YFZ, uh, the new YFZ back in what would that have been started 2012, uh, you were a major part of that whole thing. And you obviously have been throughout, uh, the decade, you know, up till now. Um, so tell me about that. That's gotta, it's gotta, you gotta feel some pride in that I would assume. Yeah. I mean, I definitely do. And, you know, it, it's been a long time coming and, um, you know, I, I actually joke around with a lot of people. I'm like, man, I'm very surprised how long it actually took, but man, like it's, it's here now. And, uh, you know, there's also goods and bads and uh, it's great, you know, for Yamaha as a brand, but also they're, they're, they're inviting, you know, other manufacturers to come in and, you know, be a part of that and, uh, help the progression of our sport and, and yeah, competition, you know, and just have that. And cause, uh, you know, without that, it's, it's hard staying, you know, how long Yamaha will stay in it, but I know they're doing very, very well right now. And we're, you know, we're, uh, we're continuing our, our progression as a team, we know motorsports and with the, with the YFZ for DR and, um, it's, it's actually created quite a buzz and, you know, this year they're going to, they're kind of considering it, you know, more like, uh, an even spec racing, mm-hmm. but, yet it's uh we're still tweaking on these things a lot and getting uh the maximum out of them that we can and you know we even found we you know we've been able to update our machine again this year on certain things and our 
our program really showed it, you know, coming out and getting that first whole shot of the year. And man, it, uh, it felt good leading laps and grabbing that start. And, you know, it's just like, man, time qualifying it, you know, it, uh, I think one of the biggest things that took away from there is like, it felt very light, you know, like for me, like usually coming into the first race, it, there's, uh, there's usually a lot of pressure and I, I actually felt like right at home and very relaxed and, you know, looking down the line, you see a lot of like rookie and new faces, which is, is good for our sport as well. And, uh, knowing that there's a strong crop of, uh, riders coming up and, you know, be challenging for these race wins and championships soon. Yeah. I mean, uh, the sport's in a good spot. Um, okay. So tell me about the track a little bit. Uh, I thought it looked fun. I don't, I know how racy it was, I guess. Um, tell me about that a little bit. How was the track? Uh, the, the track was, is pretty good. Uh, very, there wasn't a lot of turns in it. So it kind of made like point and shoot and go. And, um, there's a couple like the sand section there, like a couple of them got, uh, kind of not necessarily too beat up, but they started to get, uh, you know, just some good bumps in it and kind of chattery. So, um, like suspension settings, like me going into that race, I raced a machine that I finished the season on last year. Oh, okay. Uh, being that I was expecting, you know, our baby girl to come and not wanting to try and rush, rush my building process of a new machine and hoping that I got enough time and testing on the machine. So I've been saving that till my, you know, my time off now until the next round. So okay. uh, going into there, my settings were pretty soft for um, what we really wanted there for at Daytona. So I was making adjustments all day and, you know, we finally got a pretty good setting at the end of the day where we went into that main, but um, you know, the, the first practice was that the track was very fun. Just being, uh, they had a couple of different rhythms that you could do, but every, eventually everybody started doing the same one that was pretty dominant, but, uh, there's a couple jumps out of turns that were pretty, or, were like, they got challenging in the main and the morning they're pretty easy, but, um, yeah, all in all, I think the, the track had those long straight, long straights and rhythms that if you were really getting your power to the ground, you could get up alongside, alongside of somebody and really make a move that, that way. So, okay. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to touch on the track there, get that info from you. And then, yeah, you know, talking about your day, your top three in qualifying, but people are, people are freaking out They're uh, they're switching their fantasy picks around last minute. I'm, I'm over here. Like everybody just needs to pump the brakes. Chad's always there when it's, you know, time to go racing. You finished second in the heat. Yes. Joel was ripping, but, uh, man, I, I feel like, you know, you've done this so many times and there's something about Daytona with you. Um, you know, I, I guess where I'm going with this is I have to feel like you were, uh, you were still in a good spot mentally and you had to still feel pretty good, uh, you know, about where you were at going into the main. And I just wanted to touch on maybe what you were thinking versus what everybody else was thinking before the main event started there. Well, it, it kind of went down that way last year, you know, just, um, mm -hmm. Daytona is unique and it like, you don't have a lot of time on the track. And those heat races are only six. And then we did eight laps this year. So um, really, I was still getting my setup throughout the, you know, all, all the way through into the main. Like I made a, an adjustment, you know, that last uh, that last site lap in the main event, you know, so I'm okay. like, 
we were still progressing our, our machine and um, man, I just knew that, you know, get it, get a, a good enough qualifying position that I could have, get a good gate pick for that main. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, just ride those consecutive laps and get that start. And, you know, I know, I know that, you know, the big thing with me, like, I'm very good at thinking about things on the go. Like I can, I feel like I can slow down the time that on the track and the moments that I have enough time to think about when to go and when to chill. And, um, you know, it's just like, uh, <laughs> that's why I've, I haven't been like snake bitten there, I believe. So mm-hmm. I think that really helps me and just riding that smooth race. And, uh, you know, it's just, um, a crazy crazy event and i'm sure we'll you can dive into that here yeah i mean we'll we'll get into the main event then the main event rolls around and right away you know things get nasty in the first corner there uh you know you made it through thankfully um and and it's kind of like look who it is it's you and joel bumping and banging to take the early lead there and uh and set the pace um you know for another great battle but uh, already in that first or second corner, it seemed like, uh, I mean, this sounds obvious, but there was some jostling there to make sure you were the guy at the front, uh, you know, leading into that first lap. Yeah. Like, um, you know, I actually, I didn't even notice how much jarring and banging was going on in that first turn until I seen a photo okay. uh, later on that evening. And I was like, Whoa, wow. Like there, there was some carnage and, mm-hmm. um, you know, coming, coming through that turn, like, uh, like I felt like a nudge on my left, left rear tire and it actually like kicked out and it went into Jeffrey. And then that made my front end go into Jeffrey. And that was the last I seen him. And, uh, you know, luckily, you know, nobody got hurt in that situation, but mm-hmm. man, I just going into that race, I looked at that first turn when they had the track map. And I was like, oh man, like a 90 degree first turn and right into two bottleneck, you know, one eighties. And I was like, it's going to be, it's going to be hairy. So that was, I mean, that's my goal. Every time I get out there, get to that first turn and let the racing go from there. And yeah, definitely like that messed up my kind of my line going into that first turn and Joel got inside of me and I just gave it, I just gave it the beans and I was like, I need to hold on to the position. And I railed around the outside and he tried to take that position from me. And we just kind of played like, um, I just controlled the turn from there. I was kind of keeping my eye on him and seeing where he was going to go. And I kept riding next to him until he, he made his move and I just rode it, rode him high and then I controlled the lead from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you go on, I mean, you lead the, you lead the first eight laps there of the race um, before it looked like, uh, and it was hard to see from some of the stuff I was seeing, you know, I was watching live feeds and other things trying to compose this footage, but, um, and, and then obviously gloop stuff came out in the, in the recap video and stuff, but uh, Joel it looked like he kind of just launched off that single um, into the, the corner there. And you kind of tried to ward him off and uh, he ended up sneaking by in the next corner corner and that kind of switchback deal there. Um, but I know, you know, with how competitive you are and you kind of already touched on it in this, um, conversation, but you told us last year at Daytona, you know, you're, you're wanting to take the win if it's there, but most importantly, you know, you're wanting to get out of there in one piece. So it looked like, you know, you were ready to take what you could get. And, um, you know, 
it looked like you were kind of, okay, you know, I'm going to get out of here safe and sound, whatever it is. And then, you know, four laps to go, um, you know, and that approach obviously turns into both staying safe, but, you know, still getting the win and obviously your, you know, your record fifth victory at Daytona. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, honestly, Joel was freaking ripping and he was taking some risks that maybe I didn't, I wasn't ready to. And he was riding wheels off that thing. And I was, I was like, I was kind of, I was very thrown off because I, I felt like we were going to have a pretty, pretty decent little edge going into this first race. And it was going to be a learning race for him, but mm-hmm. he came in ready and, you know, he showed that he has great pace and man, just when we, like when he launched that roller, I very, very fortunate that I felt that and I heard him because where he landed, I was going to be cutting into that line right there where I was, where I had been. Okay. And so I, it kind of spooked me. So I railed outside and the two lines came together at the end and I about hit a rider that was on the side of the track. Mm-hmm, I saw that. And I got back on and I ran into the next turn and he, he dove down below and we drove, we kind of dragged race down that next turn and, or that next straightaway. And I tried to make an attempt on the following turn that, which, you know, now that I think about it, I really should have just followed in behind him. So I didn't miss that rhythm. And right there, I lost like almost two seconds just there. But um, once I, once I started getting going, like there's about two laps before uh, that he had that issue with uh, Mike Allred and the other guys uh, that, that three in that pack. And, you know, I'm cruising up on these guys and I see this pack of three riders that are going at it. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, all right, like try to keep your pace and apply some pressure. And, you know, I was able to cut a second out of his lead going into that next lap. And okay. he came up on those guys and, I don't know. Like it looked like Mike and those guys were riding for position, not really paying attention what was going on around them. And, you know, it's just like one of those risky deals that, you know, I don't necessarily take a risk of, you know, jumping next to a rider that might be in that situation racing against somebody, but, you know, looking at it, it looked like Mike did like fade over a little bit on him. Uh, But, you know, honestly, it, there's they're both at fault you know um joel is the one pushing the gas and he's got to control the brakes and you know um it's just one of those things that it's a racing incident and it it stinks for both of them because uh you know like joel was on his way to a potential win and uh, mike was on his way to a top 10 finish that you know he's been looking forward to and i think it really took the air out of the sails of both of them and um you know, just, I'm glad that, you know, Joel was able to get all right. And I was messaging him that night, just saying, Hey, I hope you're doing all right. And, you know, coming off the track, you know, winning that way. Like I was, I was actually pretty bummed about it because that's not the way that I like to win. And, um, I want to earn it. So that kind of just put me in my place and, you know, knowing that 
um, get myself ready for Texas and focus on that and, you know, enjoy a little bit of downtime before we get, we get started again. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so touching on the incident there, I mean, I feel like it's a tough place for everybody involved, right? Um, you know, you obviously have to be looking for those blue flags and stuff, but it's a tough situation to be in. You know, I've been there before, uh, racing for position, having to get out of the way for, uh, you know, the leaders coming by and then having the rider I'm, you know, racing with snipe the position from me. So it's a tough tough position to be in and it's tough for Joel too, right? Like he knows you're coming and he's obviously, you know, wanting to get through and, uh, yeah, so it's tough, tough for everybody involved there, but yeah, I mean, reading your body language, reading the stuff that you're saying, I mean, obviously you're not getting that thrill of victory, which is a, which is a shame, but I did think that it was really cool to hear you say from atop the podium, you know, that you wished Joel well up there you said you went on to you know message him and stuff too and uh you know I I feel like um you know you obviously you said you don't like winning like that you obviously wanted to earn it um but for you you know does it does it get any better than this because you know you get the you get out of there with the win you're safe and sound yet you still have a reason to feel like you have something to prove when the gate drops and at you know three palms and uh and on top of all that you have another month to get everything dialed in it just sounds like um you know you're probably about right where you want to be right now yeah i mean definitely like you know leaving there it's like yes we did win I, I wasn't the fastest guy, mm-hmm. but, you know, we brought it home and we're safe and I have a month to, I mean, I don't think I have much to address. It's more of just getting out to the bigger tracks and I feel like it's going to suit my machine and my style a lot better where, um, man, he just made that tight track look, you know, flowy for him. So it, it worked out really good for him. And I feel like we're going to have a, a pretty stellar season. I know like for him, I, it it really bums me out the most because I don't want any, like, I'm not, I don't think like excuse is a word, but I want it to be like as straight up as we can do. And we just hash it out and we go race, you know, the rest of the season and let the best man win. And it sucks because I have this lead, but there's going to be other guys out there too. They all want a piece of it. And I know that these other guys, you know, we put the two of us into a bottle, but these other riders and they're, they're hungry. And I can tell, like, look at Nick Janusa, like he hung with us for just about half the race and he's going to start, he's going to start doing this more often and he's going to get used to that. And so you know, we're, and shoot, we're going to the Ford brothers backyard and mm-hmm. uh, look at, you know, look how Bryce Hot did there last year. Um, so um, I feel like we're going to have a, a battle. That's not going to just be the two of us this year. Agreed. I mean, it's going to be cool for you to return to, uh, you know, the track where um, you really put a stranglehold on, on last year's title, you know, it should be good vibes in Texas, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I agree. I think, I think it, all of us. I mean, you guys, and then us as fans, um, we're in for a heck of a year. It's kind of a, you know, a clash of the same old contenders plus a bunch of new and hungry young guns, like you said. Um, and then guys, you know, like Wesley's been around for a while. Nick's been around for a while now. It's like, maybe they're hitting, uh, you know, kind of turning over a new leaf, you know, grabbing another gear and, uh, yeah, it should be, should be really fun. It sure feels like the sport is in a, is, is in a really good, healthy place right now. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like, you know, it, it was, uh, it's so cool to see 
the excitement from those two guys when they got on the podium, because, you know, you know, like for me, like I've been able to do it for quite a while and like, it, it's, it's kind of a shame because I'm so, I expect myself to do that every weekend and, you know, the excitement is there, but I don't like, I'm like already thinking about the next one. And these guys are living in the moment and they're just having the time of their life and they'll never forget it. And, you know, the streak that I've been able to, to have like through 12 on has been like, not necessarily like forgotten, but there's a lot of races that you forget about because you're so used to being in that position. Mm-hmm. So I need to try and slow, slow down my, slow down the speed, like on how fast life is going and really enjoy the moments because they're not going to last forever on 36. And I don't know how much longer I got, but I'm going to keep enjoying it and do this as long as I can, you know, I'm just, I'm having a blast and feeling young still. And uh, so let's, uh, let's get ourselves ready for Texas and stepping back on your, your fantasy. I want to hear, uh, I want to hear how everything went there. How was your team? My team uh, was pretty solid. I think I finished eleventh uh, or twelfth out of just about two hundred people. Um, you know, I had you for the win. I was the only one on uh, on the preseason uh, show that had you for the win. Um, I had picked Brandon Hogue for my tier two rider. Um, the leaders we had eight or nine people that uh, scored the perfect score. So you had to have Nick Janusa there. Um, I had, I had max and max was the, the pick that you needed in tier three. And, uh, Michael Allred was the tier four pick, um, who I also had. So yeah, the only rider I missed was, uh, Brandon Hogue. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was really good. I'm, I'm down six points, but I mean, the coolest thing is that I truly believe, you know, kind of the vision was to have people watching riders throughout the class. I feel like, uh, you know, that's something that we're truly, truly accomplishing right now. Um, the tiers will flex some. So now, you know, max will move up a tier, um, you know, so it won't be such a gimme pick. I, I feel like for tier three. And I, I just, I love the, I love the thought that, uh, you know, there's guys in eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th, that people are focusing on because they're on their fantasy team. It's like, uh, it's like fans and people have some, some invested interest in, uh, in the races. And I got a ton of messages from people saying, you know what, you were right. I'm not just watching first and second. Now I'm watching guys throughout the class. And, um, you know, the thought, uh, the thought that, you know, I could have been in the pro class at one time and people are picking me for their fantasy team and watching me race because of it. Like, I feel like that's a pretty cool thing. And hopefully, uh, you know, you and the other pro riders out there, other people that benefit from it the very most. Yeah, that's pretty rad. And, you know, um, I had a couple riders, uh, come from, Patrick Torini from Italy yep. and then uh, VTech and I can't I can't remember how to pronounce his last name but um, okay. he's from Poland but yeah. you know it was pretty cool like they've been here for like three weeks before the first round and you know those guys I mean look at I mean you know Patrick's come over here three years and this is his first year running pro and put, getting his feet wet mm-hmm. and then you have VTech that came over with a, a gear bag and that's what I heard. You know, that's that is rad. You know, like I couldn't imagine you going to a country and I was his only contact, you know, here. And you know, I'm like, man, like he got here and 
figuring out the place that he was staying and you know mm-hmm. all that like while he just got here i'm like yeah. you're a madman like yeah that's amazing you know and that. they and they did well too like yeah. i was i was really pumped for him i thought i was really proud i thought they killed it yeah like both of them got in the first turn crash mm-hmm. and uh you know uh, i think Tech ended up a little bit better than patrick but like he yeah he, feel, he ended up top 10 which is sick yeah yeah which is is great and man i i feel like patrick like just riding with him i've been teaching him too but okay i feel like patrick would have would have been like the better guy but i didn't see what went on and i know patrick i saw, saw him today he came and they cleaned up their stuff and he was holding his arm uh, he looked pretty sore Okay. But uh, he said he's he's feeling all right, just a uh, little beat up. But man, uh, it's always cool to see the progression and guys coming from different countries to come here and you know living their dream. And Absolutely. Yeah. What's the plan for those guys? Are they gonna? St- I mean, are they here for the year, or are they here just for some races, or what's the scoop there? So VTech is planning to run the whole series. Okay. He'll he'll have to fly back uh, once throughout the year. Okay. Just the way the visa is, but Patrick is leaving Saturday and he's going to be, this is kind of like a warm up to his uh, season there in Italy. And uh, I think he's run the French championship and maybe European championship. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We were curious. We were getting some, uh, some questions about, I mean, fantasy related or not, we were getting some questions on how long those guys were going to stay, but uh, awesome, awesome stuff to have those guys out there to have some, uh, some international, you know, kind of flavor in, uh, in the pro class is huge for us. So I think that that's really cool. Um, but yeah, Chad, I, I want to congratulate you obviously again on yet another Daytona win. Uh, love these conversations, love hearing, uh, you know, hearing a little bit, you know, into your program and stuff like that. Um, you know, I, I feel like you have so much knowledge to spread and i love to hear from that so you know kind of new year same old you i will say though i really dig the the new font of the number one i like the work done by ssi there i like that a lot yeah like i've been (laughs) i told him this year that we needed to change it up and uh you know uh my buddy there josh um he he really dug into his uh dictionary and his, his magic and he brought out that that number one and I was like yes that's that's perfect I like it and, uh, yeah so I was I was digging that and man just the, the way they they crushed the kit this year and we got something pretty cool coming for for Texas as well and okay um so be be on the lookout for that and uh you know obviously I want to give a shout out to Max Linquist on his uh, rookie debut on that fourth place and I spent a lot of time with this kid and he's uh He's a real deal and I'm I'm pretty excited for his year and I think he took a pretty good leap forward and learned a lot that first round. He killed it. We got him coming up on the show and uh yeah, I'd love that kid. He's the best and I I mean, Chad, he even I mean, I had high high expectations. Um, you know, I'm I mean, you and I are both definitely members of the fan club there, but uh I think he still impressed me. I think he still managed to impress me. I feel like his speed was better than I thought it would be. I knew he was going to be consistent. I knew he'd be in that top five mix, but man, uh, I still think he managed to impress me and to think that he's 17 years old. Um, mm. Gosh, the leg up that he has on some of the, on, on just 
it's, it's crazy. I mean, the, the future is so bright and he's such a great kid. I mean, the, the head that he has on his shoulders is incredible. So whatever he decides to do in life, you know, after racing, uh, whatever, I mean, he's going to be successful at whatever he does. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's silly that I'm almost not twice his age. So. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, fast. yeah. Yeah. Well, he, he was like on uh, 65, like five years ago. So that's yeah, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, Chad, I can't thank you enough for joining me. And, uh, you know, it's always an honor to have you join us. I can't thank you enough for taking the time. And uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully you're enjoying this win a little bit. It's always uh, fun to talk about uh, good days at the races. And uh, yeah, we want to see you enjoy it a little bit too. Oh yeah, definitely. And um, man, just, very cool. Had a lot of friends and family that uh, came down for the race and we had 14 people staying in our house down here in a oh, three wow. bedroom house. So like we're, we're trying to get, uh, you know, as many people as we can and, and enjoy the moment with, with everybody. And, you know, we're just, uh, we're, we're loving life right now. And, uh, the first win with my baby girl here and, you know, Lakin has really taken a, a liking to, you know, watch it pop a race and, Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I dig that. So it's, it's really cool. He's going to hopefully remember some things. And I like seeing uh, those pictures of you guys riding off the podium together. Yeah. Like, shoot, like when I'm loading up my machine into my sprinter, he's got to be there. He's got to ride up on the sprinter with me and up on the ramps. And mm-hmm. he just, he's really liking it. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm treasuring these, these times. That's awesome. We're happy for yeah. you, pal. Congrats. Yeah. Oh, thank you. And, uh, you know, I, I heard I heard news that uh, Joel and Carly had a baby boy. So I saw that too. That's that's pretty cool. And give them a shout out because I know how special that is. And you know, I'm I'm glad they didn't have to go through uh, having that uh, during the race or you know they, yeah. they're clear. So that's that's pretty good for them and uh, happy for the family. And we're looking forward to getting on the gate with them here soon. Yeah, we can't wait for it too. Congrats to them. Congrats to you, Chad. Thank you, Cody. That's Daytona winner, Chad Weenan, brought to you by Valvoline. Great job, pal. We'll see you soon. All right. Thanks. See you. We are proud to be partnered with Numira Technologies. Since 2001, Numira has led the charge in the ATV and side-by-side market, covering more applications than anyone else in the industry. Numira's advanced piston technology uses a NASA-exclusive aluminum alloy that helps to reduce expansion rates, that allows for tighter tolerances, and leads to higher overall engine performance for your machine. For more information about Numira's wide offerings of pistons, rings, gaskets, and industry-leading top-end repair kits, visit your local dealer or online at www.numira.com. Numira Technologies, pistons with an attitude. We are pleased to be partnered with Bronco ATV and UTV Components, Bronco has been an industry leader in replacement hard parts and accessories for all makes and models for over 15 years. With a catalog that includes a full line of electrical components, engine internals like rods and cylinders, all the way down to suspension parts and bearing kits, Bronco is your hard part source for whatever you need for whatever you ride. Available exclusively through distributors around the world, visit your local dealer or online at broncoatv.com. 4Works Carbon's innovative, lightweight products include top-notch seat covers, carbon fiber, and plastic hoods, gas tank covers, exhaust shields, shock guards, and much more. Whether you have an ATV, UTV, or snowmobile, 4Works has the goodies that will improve your ride and make you salivate. We trust 4Works for increased function and a sexier look, and you should too. 4Works Carbon, always working hard to bring high-quality and innovative parts to the market. Check them out today at fwcarbon.com.
All right, guys, I'm stoked to talk to this next guest because I think he's uh, he's going to be pretty fired up. Brought to you by Gripped Gloves, gloves with cool colors and designs that won't break the bank. Check them out at gripgloves.com and use discount code DIGGINDEEP20. Coming to you straight off the podium with a career best second place finish. It's Mr. Nick Janusa. What's up, buddy? Thanks for jumping back on here with us. Buddy, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for, again, reaching, reaching out so quickly to me and getting me on here. It, it was cool because I think you actually... I think you'd reached out to me that same day, right? I think it was Tuesday night. Yeah, that was pretty cool to see that too. And I was looking forward to to it. I figured you'd do something, but it it was cool to have it happen so quickly. So, hey, when you have a when you have a day like you did, when you have a ride like you did, uh, people want to hear about it. Obviously, obviously, me included. And uh, you know, all of us were wondering now with Thomas Brown being retired, right? Like, there's this all this talk about who's going to step up and claim that podium spot that uh, he left behind as their own. And man, on Tuesday, there was no doubt that you were that guy. Yeah, absolutely. And I. I feel like it wasn't just the main event where I got a second. I mean, if you look at the results the whole day, I think my worst part of my day was my first qualifier, which was a fourth. Right you now I, I got fourth in the first qualifier, third in the second one. I edged out Chad um, and I won the heat race, you know, said so Ford, you know, I'm not going to, I like to be real about stuff. You know, Ford was definitely leading that and it was early in the race. I think he broke in like the first lap or so. So it would have made it interesting, but I knew and felt that I had the speed, you know, from qualifying and the heat races, I always swore were six laps and this year they were eight. So it was a little bit longer, which I actually liked. So if, uh, if I got around Rastrelli a little quicker then I might've had something for Ford, I would have just pushed, you know, it's just a heat race, but I would like to see what I have. And, um, I don't, I don't, it was cool to get a win and technically a first win in a heat race, but I don't love it like that sometimes because I like to do it straight up and I wanted to, you know, I saw him out front and that's where I was going and I was going to push, but you know, I don't want to take anything away from myself. It is what it is. This is racing. So. Hey, hey, to, to cross the finish line first and in, in any kind of pro race is a pretty big deal. And like you said, I mean, that's where I was kind of going to go right off the bat here. I mean, I feel like for you, it had to feel so damn good to start the season off on such a positive note. We all know about some of the frustrations of the past few seasons with your starts and whatnot. But uh, on Tuesday, from start to finish, kind of like you were saying, it was a success. You qualified super well. You came out, you win that heat race. No matter what the storyline is, you win the heat race, cross the finish line first and you put that thing on the box in the main and it was really never in question like whatsoever it seemed like you know it was good good vibes for you and you were you were like part of that very 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 elite lead pack from the very beginning so for you and your crew I mean that had to be that had to be huge yeah you know I didn't really pay attention to I guess the other riders, you know, when, when I'll be honest with you, I, I didn't even really see the crash in the first turn and, and I was side by side with those guys, but I wasn't even watching. So I really didn't know what happened to Ford. I didn't know what happened to Rastrelli and whoever else until the race was over. Um, but I, you know, I go back to the gate pick and there were so many things that day and the start was, it was good, but I, I lined up where I was. I, I think it could be better. I mean, I could rattle off a lot of things. I think I, man, I mean, I feel like I got so much to say right now, but I feel like that race day in specific, um, I, I, I don't know. I feel like I've rode like that so many times and just, I feel like I've gotten unlucky, but again, you put yourself in those situations and 
Um, I just was so on it all day and any little issue I had, I didn't let um, it bother me at all. And I came out in third of the second turn and I seen the two guys in front of me, Joel and Chad. And man, I got to tell you, they're just like, as soon when I was in the second turn and I saw those guys in front of me, like it, it, it there was not the slightest doubt in my head, not, not 1% of me knew that I wasn't going to finish right there or, you know, first, second, third, yep. uh, they're just, it, this is mine. Like second turn, like this is mine. I don't care what it takes, who's behind me right now. Those guys, you know, Ford, Restrelli, whoever else wanted to take behind me, it was mine that day. And, you know, I, I kind of asked myself after the race and the nerves calmed down or like what gave me that confidence. And I don't know, man. I mean, I, I kind of look back at the, my last month and a half, which has been truly hell. And just because I don't post about it doesn't mean I don't have stuff going on. And I've had a lot of, a lot of good things going on, but my, my battle this off season was the worst it's ever been. If people really knew how little that I rode before this first race, you'd be shocked because if you count the hours on everybody's bikes, man, I'm telling you it's less than half of everybody that I just raced. I, I can almost guarantee it. And I'm not going to say that I credit it to less riding, but I credit it more towards how much I wanted it because I was held back from certain things. I mean, so I, we can go back. I stayed up North. You know, I have a lot of things going on in my personal life right now, not anything bad, but I have this track and I'm trying to get it into an approved private riding place and I'm building my house on the same property. And, you know, truly, if you're not there for those things physically in the state, it'll never happen, you know, and I'll, I'll, that stuff can never happen in the season. So it, it was my whole off season and it went into the first race, but um, it, it's really why I never got a chance to go South. And I, I could have, I could have went South and went to Florida and trained, but you know, the, I wouldn't have gotten to start of my house. I wouldn't have gotten more progress with how my track is coming along. Um, you know, I, the really stressful part was I had blown up a couple of motors and that held me back for a little bit. Like I rode all through January, blew up a motor and then it snowed, man. I'm telling you, we have not gotten snow like this in so long. Every year I've gone away, I've spoke to my dad on the phone and he's like, man, it's like in the fifties, you could train here all winter. And then we kind of agreed, Hey, maybe next winter I'll, I'll stay at home. You save a lot of money by staying at home a lot. And I don't regret it one bit. You know, I have this track and I'll take advantage of it. But man, I did not ride for three and a half weeks straight. And I was just like the true like anger I had within and regret of like, I should have went south. I'm not ready for the first race. And I just, I'm telling you, it was, it was sheer grit the whole day that I had in me of how bad I wanted it because of all the obstacles I dealt with. And you saw me like a knucklehead posting on my social media, pushing snow off with a skid steer. And I remember one day I, and it, man, it takes a long time and, and it's a pain in the butt process. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd pushed it off one day and I was planning to ride the next day and it didn't even say it was going to snow. And I, and this, this, this was like my meltdown of like my <laughs> off season. I remember this. And this was only like three weeks ago. I'm telling you, 
Okay. I, I was I was going to reference you pushing snow. Yeah, it's, I'm telling you, and this is New Jersey, and it's it was 72 today outside three weeks later. Jeez. So, um, yeah, it, it's crazy. So this is three about three weeks ago, and I have like no riding in, like literally nothing. Just gym workouts. Um, I, I like you could not get a break from the snow. I plow it off, snows the next day. Plow it off, snows the next day. And I remember there was one day it was so bad and I thought it was the last of the storm and I did the whole thing. It took me five hours and I went till dark and then as I was getting back in my truck. It just came down again, this snow. And I drove driving back to my parents' house. Just, just, I've never been so mad and just thought so many things to ride home and just, and I, I I'm pretty, I'm pretty cool about some things and I can push some things off and, you know, try to find the positivity. And I, I really just felt like I lost all hope and I woke up at my parents and there was like another five or six inches on the ground. And I just, I just, man, I, I've, I've been in the spot that I've been in for too long of fifth place. And I, I remember how hard it was to get up that day. where just like, it was wall, wall, wall in front of me. And just the sheer, like, like, what, what am I doing? You know, like I, I'm not even right. I'm doing all this work so I can just put in a few laps. And I went back out that day and I worked on the track again and I brought a quad and I rode later that day, but it sucked. Like riding in 30 degrees sucks. Yes, it and does. <laughs> it, I feel like I I'm talking so long right now, but the, the, the pain of what I went through and rode there, there was a couple of days where I actually couldn't ride more than three laps because I was, dude, it was so cold and I, I hate Can't feel your fingers. Yeah. Uh, you and it was, it was, it, I stopped because it was dangerous because I couldn't move my fingers. They were locked. Mm -hmm. yeah. I just locked. Oh, I and hate I that feeling. Setups, this and that, but the pain of riding through the cold the whole winter was more painful than any race I've ever done in the heat. No matter what you're feeling in the heat and you're in a 20 minute moto at Loretta's um, and um, it's not that it's physically harder because you're breathing in cold air. Like it's not going to be as deep as like Loretta's heat. You know what I mean? But like just mm -hmm. the, the mental pain, I feel like just developed me. And I just had so much, I guess, I guess you could use the word grit, you know, like I just wanted, I wanted it so bad coming into the first race to everybody that doubted me and to show them that, you know, I can ride by myself and I can give it all and, still be there and um, I'm glad you know it, it worked out the way it did you know Joel crashing is 100% not how I wanted it I was I was more bummed than happy when I saw that because I don't like to be handed a spot but regardless I was definitely going to be on the podium so for sure I mean that's the that's my biggest takeaway you know it doesn't really matter to me what fueled you um, it's super interesting to hear you know, that you're fueled by all those things. Doesn't surprise me though, knowing, you know, knowing enough about you, knowing, you know, your inner drive and all those things. We also knew what would happen if you got a start like you did. We've been saying that for years. I mean, if you start up there, we knew that you'd finish up there. The biggest thing though, I mean, in the main, you were able to keep Chad and Joel in your sights for a super long time. And I guess that's what, what felt so Thomas Brown like to me, because maybe you weren't like directly like battling for the lead with those guys, but you were clearly a step ahead of everybody else. Like you kept touch with those guys, basically the entire race. Um, and that feels like a major step in the right direction. Man, 
I think I learned more in that 20 minutes than I did in the last three years. Hey, like that. When's the last time that's ever happened to you? Well, that's it's, what I mean. I just, I have no experience up front. Mm-hmm. I have, I have the front guy's speed, but without the start. And, mm-hmm. and my, like I said, my, my start was okay. Um, I wasn't overly happy with my setup, even coming into race day. It was like, okay, it was good enough. I know a lot of things that I can improve on, but. And you said uh, you hadn't had ridden that bike at all. Uh, I rode it two times and there was a lot of different parts on that. Like if anybody knew how different that setup was mm-hmm. than my race bike in the past and what I've been practicing on, it's, it, you'd, you'd really be more shocked about that. Sure. Um, but the, the race and keeping pace was, um, it was interesting because I, I don't want to say I was surprised, but I was a little surprised I was able to keep up and just have that speed because I literally rode by myself for the two months. So it was, it was mental then you just mentally pushed through it. I just gave it everything I had in every one of my practice days. I, you know, you act like you're somebody's there and I just, I just like thought I was slow in the off season. And I just, maybe it's just me starting to look at things different and getting more comfortable with that speed. Um, But I had kept pace and all I knew was when I was behind them, go as fast as you can. And I sprinted like as fast as I could. And I kept up with them for right about up to the halfway point. I made one or two little mistakes um, where I maybe like slid out in a turn or went two sideways. Some, I don't know, something along those lines. It'll come back to me eventually. Okay. So, so, so mid mid race, lap, lap, lap nine, you're five seconds behind. That's, 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 that's amazing. I mean, talk about a gigantic step talk about a gigantic step for you yeah it definitely was i'm i've thought about that so much and i have the speed there's no question but i want to be the guy that's going to hold that to the end Mm -hmm. and like i said i feel like i learned so much in that 20 minutes and so i lost the pace a little bit um you know i i was a little tense because i man i literally haven't done anything like that it's not that I was tired, but I definitely had a little arm pump and I had looked back at one point and I'm thinking like, man, we're like pretty far ahead. <laughs> yeah, like, everybody? I think I had like 12 seconds on fourth and right. it was that very moment. And I don't want people to think that this was Nick Janusa giving up, but it was at that very moment where I wanted to take back. I don't care how slow I look the rest of this race. I don't care what my lap times are. People could say what they want. The Nick Janusa was in the 58s, 59s and went to 101s. Talk everything you want. That was me 100% backing off, just trying to be smart because last year I DNF this race. Mm-hmm. I had 17th coming into the season. I'll take this third all day because this is a long season. We got nine races left. And I, man, I'm telling you, I think I went, and I don't want people to take this the wrong way, but that could have been one of the easiest races of my pro career where I just got to start row with those guys, put the pace on. I look back and I think I was trying like 75% and it's no disrespect, but I gave it my all to put that gap on and try to just ride smart, save the bike, save the energy. I don't want to get too tight and make a stupid mistake and come off. Mm-hmm. And I, I was so content with the third, just because of how grateful I was to be in third because of how last year was, man, I got 17th of that race last year. I well, DNF. I started in last in points. 
in in to think about how i mean every every local every amateur rider will be able to probably relate to this too but the difference that you feel as a rider when you start up front yeah um, obviously you're going to go with that lead pack like that's an advantage but it almost not not that it's a disadvantage but your mind works totally different when like the race can feel long when you're up front and then you see a gap and you're like oh shit like I need to go nine laps yet, you know, and typically, (laughs) typically for you, you're probably not paying any attention to the halfway flags to how many laps are left, how many minutes we're in, whatever, because you're just trying to pass as many people as you can. Yeah, it, it felt long and not from the tired aspect, but from all the laps. And I'm like, man, just like, where's this halfway flag? (laughs) I just wanted it so bad. And I just, I didn't want my, I wasn't worried about me, but you know, it's, I don't want the bike to break and not that I don't trust in my bike, but anything can happen. We all think that way though. Yeah. You, and, and you don't want to think that way, but it does happen. And at that point at the halfway race, I think I had my eyes on, cause I was a section ahead. So I was coming out of a turn. I could see the guys coming at the next section. I really just watched fourth from there and wanted to keep that big gap. And I was watching who was in fourth I didn't really care about Joel and Chad, like, go ahead, you know, go ahead, pull your lead, whatever. Yep. I just, I was comfortable where I was and I watched fourth and I saw Brandon Ho gotten fourth and he's definitely got some speed. So I put a little sprint back on and for the two laps, he was in fourth. And I think he made a mistake. He didn't gain at all, which I was like happy with. So I was like, okay, we have half the race left. This, can he reel me in? And then I gave it those two laps and he didn't gain anything. And you know, I just, I felt like I had a lot of speed on that track. And, and if he, or if those guys were close to me, I would have pushed till the end, but you I feel like you got to know when to say when and when to push and when to, to step back, you know? And I feel like I made some good progress with that. Of course. I mean, you, the way you executed it, um, I mean, you couldn't have, I don't know if I was you, I feel like that it felt like a win. And I think you actually said that on the podium, like it felt like a win for you. So I want to ask, I want to ask you this question because I want to ask somebody who's obviously, you know, podium contender, perennial, you know, top five guy. Do you look at anything differently or do you find any extra motivation knowing Thomas is gone? Like not, not on race day or whatever, but like, as you're, you know, training in the off season in all these things, like, does your mind go to, Hey, like, you know, that there's a podium spot that is clearly open for somebody. Somebody's going to take it. I want to be that guy. Like, do you think of any of that? You, you said exactly what I thought the last three months. Okay. Okay, good. <laughs> so, yeah, that, I mean, that's what I assumed. Not, there's not much more to elaborate on it, but you know, Thomas, Thomas, you know, people can say what they want. You know, it's easy for someone to talk behind the screen of a computer or phone and mm-hmm. say, you know, Nick's a fifth place guy. I'll never be better. Thomas is a third place guy. He'll always be that. But people don't realize how hard that is to be that. And I don't think people realize how good actually Joel and Chad are. It's yep. not that we're bad. If that, <laughs> I don't want to say bad, but like those two in itself are so far ahead of everybody with their program and their riding. And Thomas was so good as well. And Thomas was so hard to beat. Uh, and he like really picked it up in the last year or two. Cause I know I was poking at him a couple of races and like, I think, uh, I don't know, 17 and maybe one or two and 18, but like 19 and 20, I don't even think I 
I mean, I think I only beat him once in 2020 in a moto, but he, he was a tough one to beat. So I, I knew with him coming out, yeah, I, I would say it was a lot of motivation because he was mostly the third place guy. And I knew that, you know, simply it was up for grabs and I want to step up myself. And I, I would have, you know, I, after this race, I thought about a lot with, you know, what, what if Thomas was still in there? How, you know, I felt so good on race day and I had the speed, you know, I think him and I would have had a good battle. I'm not going to say I had him beat or he had me beat, but I think him and I would have had a good battle depending upon where we both started. Agreed. I mean, you and I both know that if you would have been getting those kind of starts, I mean, this wouldn't have been your second podium, you know, yeah. you'd have, you'd have an array of them. If you started up there, your speed was never an issue for a, a lot of years. Now your speed was never an issue. It was uh, it was just needing to get the starts and yeah. it was so cool watching this race play out and, you know, we're, you know, however many laps into this thing and to see that you're only, you know, two, three, four seconds down. And then, like I said, you look, you look just like Thomas at that point. Like you're within, like, like you're within a couple seconds of the, of the lead. And, uh, it, it was cool to see because how many times have people come on this show and talked about if you could just get a start, you know? So, um, to see it's that crazy, you know, to do and to run that pace, they, those two guys go so fast and I watch a couple of videos and I, I like really latched on for like the first yeah. three to five laps, lost a little bit of ground. That's where I went to like three to five seconds, but we like, left fourth like exactly gone yep. right away and that was just so cool to see like like I, I don't know just like it was it was like in the tunnel like I can it's like I really needed that like I can do this I can you know and yep and there's gonna I feel like there would be a lot more where that came from but you got to start up with those guys, you know? Yeah. And I didn't get to touch on this when you said it before, but I'm I preach it to anybody that'll listen that you guys are guys that would have, I mean, you guys meaning podium contenders. Um, it just so happens for you guys that you're racing two of the baddest dudes to ever do it. Like they are two right. of the very best ever. You guys, like you would be somebody that would, you know, be yeah. winning all kinds of races if it just wasn't for them. You I, know? Think I, I watched a lot of ATV racing in these, and they're absolutely the two greatest guys of this era. And I think, and no disrespect absolutely to any legend in the quad world that I've looked up to my whole life. But uh -huh. I feel like these two guys in general that we race right now, Joel and Chad are the biggest killers the sport has ever seen. Like they are so insane of their skill level. I, I really have nothing but respect for both of them and learn a lot from both of them. You know, I might not, uh, we might not all see eye to eye on things, but they're um, they're very, very dialed in if you will it, and there's a lot to learn from they are just so dominant but you know it's all it's all touchable at one point eventually you know you're not at the top forever but it, it feels like those two have been right. up there forever yeah since but, since we were on mini quads yeah Chad's been doing I, I want to poke at it more and i i think i can and may have some good races and, and really start to believe i can so agreed 
Yeah, I agreed. I mean, you get starts like that and it's, uh, it's going to happen. You're going to, you're going to stay up there with those guys and run with them. And, uh, after you mentioned, uh, you know, me reaching out to you there on Tuesday after the races and, uh, you said to me, you messed up everybody's fantasy picks and, uh, (laughs) you you said under promised over deliver. And, uh, actually I had said to somebody before Daytona, I said, Hey, if it was, uh, if it was like fantasy baseball, if it was like a fantasy baseball team where you were picking, uh, you know, the same riders for the entire year, you'd be a slam dunk lock, like stamp it because, you know, you're, you're right in that mix every year. We've talked about it, you know, so often, but uh, I guess we shouldn't have overthought any of it because you were, you were part of the perfect picks for the fantasy league and, and the winners of the well, league had you. So. It was like one of the coolest things you did was starting that. And then people started tagging, you know, everyone and putting their picks in yeah. and I'm just like, I'm looking at these results or the, with these picks, like three weeks before the race, I'm like, man, not a whole lot of people believe in me here. And like it, like, and I, like, I'm laughing about it now, but it's just like, I kind of just like pushed it off, you know, just the, uh-huh. because you no, know, truly Cody, like I didn't know how I was going to do coming into the first race. Like I rode by myself, but I learned a lot by myself. I learned a lot in, in the times where I was not all there mentally in the off season and just wanted to throw the towel. And I think I just, I wanted it that much more and gave it that much more. And, and, and still I'm dealing with, you know, certain things that hold me back that make me want it more. So I think it just, I, I wanted to stay quiet and I, and I still want to stay quiet, you know, cause I, I don't want to overpromise that it's going to be a podium every race. You know, I, I think I have a good shot at it, but I'm not sure, you know, I, they're very talented guys out there. None of them are slouches at all. Um, but I do like that. I messed up those picks. <laughs> hey, I, and, and for me, I mean, it was obviously not at all, um, lack of belief. It was, I, I mean, I don't want to harp on it, but it was the start thing, especially at Daytona. You know, I knew it was, uh, the start so important there. Um, and my dad, my dad, he gets his picks in the night before the races or whatever. And he goes, uh, yeah, Janus has got it. No problem slam dunk and i'm like all right well he's one of the dudes eight or nine people had the had uh, the perfect combination you were obviously in that perfect combination of riders that they had to pick so um it was awesome and yeah well, i think it i think it is cool perfect combinations he's like people pick the top three of, of chad me and no, no no so so there's four tiers and you have to take a rider from each tier to make up your team so basically you're betting on that rider beating the other riders in your tier so yeah the top tier just coming into the year. Cause we're trying to slot everybody in. It was obviously hard and uh gloop. It actually poked fun at me. Like how many dudes did you piss off by putting them in a certain tier? Well, you know, it was Chad, Joel and Bryce were uh, in the top tier and you were, you know, you were with uh, what would have been Wesley Allen. If you would have been there, uh, Hogue, um, I don't know who I'm missing, but uh, yeah. So anyways, so you, so the perfect combination was Chad, you, max and all red and the the goal is to have everybody you know to have you have to pick a rider from each tier for your team so you have to watch dudes throughout the entire pro class and ever since i started this kind of thing um the goal was to kind of try to give everybody exposure and uh after i had been asked about fantasy more and more and more and thought well we could test the waters and maybe pull it together i thought you know what this fits right in line with what i'm trying to do because you know obviously i was never um where you are in the pro class but uh to think that 
you know, I could have been picked for somebody's fantasy team, even though I was a 10th place guy. Like, I think that that's kind of a cool thought. So, yeah. um, so yeah, I mean, it's been, I mean, we had, we had damn near 200 people playing it yeah. and, uh, it's, it's, it's cool. Like, I feel like, uh, you know, we're giving more coverage and people are more fun. People are more invested in the racing. Like, I love it. yeah, yeah. It. It's the yeah. best thing you had started this podcast. It's really cool. Yeah. So, uh, Nick, I'm going to ask you one more question before we get you out of here. Thanks for doing this by the way, by the way, I love, uh, love ob- obviously having these conversations. And like I said to you before, I was excited to talk to you, um, just with a totally, totally different totally different feel, like totally different conversation to bring you in here on nothing but a positive note. Um, and then to hear all the stuff you had to overcome. This is awesome. So, uh, I want to talk about how huge, um, it is to, to start the season this way, because, you know, when you start off so well, I have to imagine, um, you know, because you just spent a half hour talking to us about the unknown, about not knowing how you were going to, you know, stack up about the frustrations of being at home, all these things. And I have to imagine after you go out and, and, do as well as you did this has to have you thinking man i i maybe i'm not going to be on the podium every single weekend but i clearly expect to be on the podium every single weekend and that change from man i hope i get a podium to i expect a podium that's probably uh you know a a a big change and i feel like um i mean you and i probably both know that you can talk things into existence and when your mind changes to the point where you're expecting something um i think it can only it can only create good results from here on out yeah i have a uh, a quick interesting story i could probably throw in on race day and i didn't really had re- and i think i'd only told my parents i did this but um it'd be cool to tell you and, and uh, the people listen but sure uh, I, I didn't really realize what i did until after i did it and the the confidence I had from the morning, um, you know, I'm, I had a really good morning qualifiers and I won the heat race. So I'm gearing up for this main event in my RV and I'm looking at myself in the mirror and I'm like, just like looking at my shirts, good, you know, hair, good. I'm, you know, I'm from Jersey. I'm always trying to look (laughs) a little bit sharp. So, right. But in all seriousness, I'm looking at myself in the mirror and it dude i don't it, it's so crazy how it happened because i didn't realize what i did until after i did it so i walk into the bathroom in the rv with my with my gear on i went to the cabinet and i grabbed some hair gel and i'm putting gel in my hair like just not like just thinking like like when i take my helmet off and i have a little bit of like gel and it, it's gonna look good on the podium but like i dead serious thought this way like okay. like i just had it in my head like i'm, I'm getting on this podium right now yeah and it's funny because you know i i am on my way to the podium up there and and like take it for what it is you know don't take it that it was so much of the hair gel and the look but take it as like the confidence i had and man i I don't even know where it came from it just like and then i thought about it after the race like man i actually did that and and i was up there like yeah again like trying to look sharp a little bit of hair Uh i had in my hair so when i took my helmet off i could just like you know spike it and it was still looking sharp but that was that that sub that subconscious confidence that you had what i mean with that but it like Mm -hmm. i i didn't even overthink it i just looked myself like "Mm, i need a little bit something for the podium and i and i was like holy crap like that was just like true sheer belief that wasn't overthought at all Mm-hmm. And yeah. it, it was it was interesting to see that level of me come out out of 
I'm still trying to figure out where the hell it came from. <laughs> well, to- how well the day was going. I just knew it. Yeah. And, and kind of a mental shift. So, um, yeah, that's awesome. Well, we're going to get you out of here on, on that note, pal. I can't, uh, can't wait to see what the season has in store for you. Obviously, again, just this optimism, this different sound in your voice, this, these different expectations, all that stuff is awesome to hear and, uh, sure feels like things are different in a great way for, uh, for you here in 2021. So, um, obviously, uh, again, want to congratulate you on, on a career best day, a return to the podium. And, uh, as always, pal, I can't thank you enough for joining me to talk about it because, uh, you know, I feel like, uh, having you on here, some of the conversations we have are some of my favorite ones that I have on, on the, the podcast. Yeah. And back to your question. I mean, starting the season with a second versus what I have had last year, uh, I'm so grateful to just be where I am. That's where I would have just accepted the third because of what I dealt with last year was it felt like hell. So it, it should make things a lot easier. And if I could stay on the bike, good starts, no DNFs, I think, I think I'm in for a good season. So I'd like to keep it at that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that that's kind of what we're expecting at this point in the black bike looks sick. Oh yeah, dude. I love it. Yeah, it looks <laughs> so good. Meaner in it. it it stood out and made its way up there. So I, I like it. I like it. Maybe that thing, like, that thing belongs on the podium. It looks like. Yeah. The black hammer, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Well, that's, uh, that, that's going to wrap it up here. And, uh, again, just congratulations and thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it, Cody. Thanks. That's Nick Janusa brought to you by gripped gloves, gripgloves.com. Thanks again, pal. Talk soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. The Digging Deep ATV MX podcast is brought to you in part by DID in their range of championship winning chains. Powered by technology, DID chains are designed to give you the greatest strength to weight ratio, making them the optimal chain for racing and giving you a championship level edge. DID has been driving championship winning race programs since 1933, chosen by champions such as Chad Wienan, Joel Hetrick, and myself, Cody Jansen. Champion above the rest is DID's 520 ATV2 chain with those same design principles and materials being used throughout their entire line of products, including their on-road category as well. Pick up a DID chain today at your local dealer or reputable online e-tailer. DID, what drives you? The Digging Deep ATV MX podcast is also sponsored by DP Brakes, a longtime supporter of ATV racing and the world leader in centered brake technology. DP has been dominating the ATV world for decades, supporting the best four-wheeled racers on the planet. 2021's impressive lineup includes Joel Hetrick and Jeffrey Rastrelli of the Phoenix Racing Team, myself, Cody Jansen, and my back-to-back national championships, Baldwin Motorsports, Ford Brothers Racing, Nick Janusa, Wesley Wolf, and many more, including all of the top 14 GNCC Series pros, led by the champ Walker Fowler, Bryson Neal, Cole Richardson, Jared McClure, and Chris Borich. These top riders continue to appreciate the high performance and impressive durability that their DP brakes have to offer, products that ultimately help place them on the top of the podium. Available at www.dp-brakes.com, purchase at your local dealer, or message the show for their contact info today. What are you waiting for? Join the best ATV riders in the world on DP brakes. 15 years into the brand's existence, Factory 43 is back with us and continuing to make huge waves in the ATV world. For the second consecutive season, 
Factory 43 is the official aluminum parts choice of the Phoenix Racing ATV team providing their state-of-the-art Evo Nerf bars, MX-style front bumpers, and grab bars for some of the fastest riders on the planet. If you're in the market to upgrade your Nerf bars, bumpers, or grab bars, head over to factory43atv.com to see their full line of products available for all makes and models. Want to be just like Joel Hetrick and Jeffrey Rostrelli riding with Factory 43's industry-leading products? Head over to factory43atv.com today. We are proud to be partnered with Gripped Gloves. Gripped is an ATV rider owned and operated brand with the rider in mind and the goal of keeping costs affordable. The Michigan-based family operation recognizes riders' desire to showcase their identity. Owner David Payne's love for eccentric colorways and crazy patterns shows in his product something not often found in the work of big manufacturers. Here to push stereotypes and limitations, Grip's drive is to produce a glove with cool colors and designs that won't break the bank. With comfort and quality as key motivators, the Family Affair is constantly working on the next more innovative and improved glove. Get a grip on life, join the Gripped movement, because no one wants a bland glove. Check them out today at grippedgloves.com, that's G-R-I-P-T gloves.com, and use discount code DIGGINGDEEP10 to save at checkout. Bikes, Trikes, and Quads LLC has been supplying riders with aftermarket components from the industry's top brands for over a decade. With over 80,000 products in stock for your ATVs, UTVs, metric and HD motorcycles, dirt bikes, and snowmobiles, Bikes, Trikes, and Quads LLC can tend to all your power sports needs, from hard parts to riding gear. Bike Strikes and Quads also offers hard-to-find used parts for your vintage dirt bike, ATV, three-wheeler, or snowmobile. Use discount code ATVMX at www.btqllc.com for 10% off of orders of $100 or more. We're grateful to have Bike Strikes and Quads LLC digging deep with us. Thank you, BTQ LLC. Just like the sport of ATV motocross as a whole, our Digging Deep community is brought together by the love for racing that we all share. Our sport is compiled of many great people and leading that charge is the Launderville family at Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply. This racing-owned family business is a steel and concrete supplier serving the entire United States. Launderville Steel is a full-service steel supplier of new and surplus steel, aluminum, and stainless steel products headlined by the 4130 chromoly tubing and plate used in the building of chassis for ATVs and UTVs, off-road truck racing, late model dirt and pro tractor pulling series, drag racing, and more. Launderville Steel loves their racing just as much as we do, but don't forget about their concrete division as well. With over 25 years of experience, the concrete division can supply everything you need to complete your next business or personal project. Their central Midwest location enables LSE to easily serve customers across the United States. For a quote, additional info, answers to more of your questions, or to talk a little racing, head over to LaundervilleSteel.com or give them a call today. We are proud to be partnered with yet another racer-owned company. Thank you, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply. All right, guys, I'm here with our uh, final guest of the night, brought to you by Bike Strikes and Quads, LLC, your go-to for all your power sports needs from hard parts to riding gear, plus use vintage parts. Use code ATVMX at www.btqllc.com for 10% off of orders, $100 or more. It's raining. 
Pro-Am champion, reigning amateur rider of the year, and now an AMA ATV Pro Class top five finisher in his very first pro race. Put your hands together for Mr. Max Linquist. What's up, buddy? Stoked to get you back on the show, especially after an unforgettable rookie rookie debut. Yeah, thank you very much, Cody. Uh, thanks for always having me back on. And yeah, um, definitely stoked to be back here and uh, get to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously always fun to talk about good days at the races. Um, but I mean, for you, man, like, so you're 17 years old. And for most of those 17 years, you've been dreaming of and prepping for what happened on Tuesday. Um, so take me through what it was like to finally be a pro, something that you wanted to do at the end of last season, but uh, obviously you kind of weren't granted that ability. Um, and you know, what was it like to share the track with the guys that you inevitably looked up to as your heroes? You probably still do. Uh, it had to be, had to be almost like a dream come true. Oh, for sure. You, uh, kind of nailed it on the head, just even with, uh, wanting to do it last year and not getting to like it made this off season feel like the longest time ever so it was almost like such a relief finally getting to hit the gate because the anticipation was just it took so long um I I was so glad to finally just get that first gate drop out of the way because it relieved so much of that like nerves and the pressure and the just the what if factor um so yeah and then like you said riding just the just to line up with all those guys and be like, man, like we finally made it, you know, like you dreamed of uh, being on the gate for so long. So it was definitely a dream come true. And now, uh, you know, just get to do it every weekend. And that's uh, just a really cool thought to me. Yeah. It's, it's, it's obviously, I remember some of those emotions from making, you know, your debut like that, but then, I mean, for you to do as well as you did, it was pretty incredible, but uh, I didn't realize this until I was prepping for this conversation, Max, but you probably never raced at Daytona, huh? I had literally last year was the first year I had ever went as a spectator. Okay. So I have never raced Daytona. So that was a totally different atmosphere mm -hmm. and thing for me. Like I showed up and it was, uh, yeah, it, it may, maybe wasn't exactly all what I was expecting. Yeah. Um, just tracking the whole, just how it's ran and everything, you know, it is, uh, nothing like a normal event for us. Exactly. And I thought about that because it was never really a youth event at all. And, um, at the beginning it was an amateur event or whatever too. Uh, but, but you were never old enough. Like you would have been in the, in the youth classes still at that time. So I'm like, yeah, to have never done that. That's a hurdle in itself. Like Daytona is obviously a big thing. You, you know, you enter the bowl. It's like, it's like a town inside of there. Right. So that part's all crazy. Just the procedures all a little different. And then, you know, it's a different kind of a racetrack um it's it's not a national you know event atv motocross track really um so to go through all that and i didn't <clears throat> i didn't think about that until after the fact but going in i would have been i would have maybe thought a little more about you you know doing daytona for the first time because it is different but uh at the same at the same time maybe it was good that you didn't even know what to expect it was just uh you were like a caged animal and just ready to go go battle these guys yeah, I mean, I feel like it was, uh, I'm almost glad, like, we just got it out of the way right away, um, sure. because it was, it was a worry, like, it was kind of like, what's this gonna be like, like, you hear from everyone, you know, like, it's just this super tight, really hard race, mm -hmm. and I was kind of glad just to go, and you know what, like, it's, this is the first one, we got it over with, and I'd say we did pretty good at it, now, you know, we get to go and get back on these big racetracks, and it's kind of like, yeah, uh, kind of like a relief to have that said and done with, 
And at the same time, you know, you get to say your pro debut is at Daytona. It's pretty cool too at the same time. So mm-hmm. I, I'm definitely glad I guess how it all worked out. Yeah, it was good, man. So, so take me through the start of your day where you, uh, you referenced a little bit being nervous, but talk about your nerves coming in because this is obviously, uh, you know, a, a whole new deal for you. And I assume, you know, there had to be some nerves there because this was you kind of realizing a, a, a lifelong goal. I know you have big goals for the races themselves, but, you know, getting to the pro class, becoming a pro and having those blue backgrounds and everything that comes along with being a pro. I mean, that was a lifelong goal in itself. So talk about, I mean, were you nervous going in? Um, you know, I was a little nervous. Um, not so much right away. It almost kind of took a while to hit me. Like it was really, um, you know, it was more, we got there and it was like, man, this is so cool. Like this is a really cool event. And it probably didn't hit me until like the first heat, like qualifying, like it was so different. It was, it was almost like practice to me again, you know, like I'm so used to having all, all those laps that's been in practice. So like, and qualifying for me, like, I was just kind of trying to learn it. Like, it, it wasn't something that I was going out there looking to be the fastest guy on the track. Like, for me, it was like, all right, I've never been to Daytona. Let's use all the time they give me to get as, like, as comfy as I can on this track. And uh, I would say probably not until, like, we lined up for heat one until I really probably, like, got a little nervous, you know, just getting on the gate being like, all right, it, you know, like, just lining up and looking down and be like, whoa. I've never raced any of these guys before, really, you know, like, right. um, that was probably the first time I really had any bugs or was any really nervous at all. And like, when I'm nervous, I'm, it doesn't bother me too bad. Like I don't get real jittery or nothing. Um, but I would say, honestly, like it was probably more different for my parents and family than anything, you know, just, um, just so surreal for them more than me. Mm -hmm. Like for me, everything's happened so fast but at the same time like for me it felt like I was waiting for it for so long where my parents looked at me and they were like you realize like like five years ago you're on like at 65 like you're hardly racing a shit literally yes and they're like this is so weird to be here and for me I was like no I guess I didn't really look at it like that so (laughs) right yeah that's That's crazy. So I, I, and I was going to reference that I was going to ask you, um, you know, obviously the nerves weren't too apparent because you qualified well, you know, six was awesome, but uh, that was a, or or was it fifth? Maybe, maybe you qualified fifth somewhere in there. Um, I think it was six right at the end. I think I got sure. Sure. So uh, whatever it was um, you, you know, the time qualifying thing, you never did that before. Like that's a whole new thing in itself as well. Um, and it's different than just spinning fast laps, you know, like if you're really trying to put in a fast lap, like time qualifying is just a whole different deal. So, uh, you handled that with grace, but, uh, then referencing the dudes that you're lining up with for your heat race, you know, and, and you probably haven't done this in recent years, but I remember being a younger kid and like looking around, like, okay, you know, I got that guy covered. I got that guy covered. Like I might need to worry about this guy. And when you're lining up with the, for the pro class, like uh, totally different animal, like everybody's gnarly. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it definitely true. Like it was kind of like, well, I hope we get a really good start because this could either go really bad or it could go really good. So right. I was like, I guess we'll just find out. Like, and I, I mean, I, it's really helped, you know, um, kind of, we had talked before, like being in the pro stock class and like mm-hmm. getting a ride with Chad all the time. Like it really helps. I would say just even with those nerves going up to the gate being like, you know, I've, I've already rode with these guys. Like I've dropped the gate with these guys. Like I kind of had 
an idea of what to expect. It was just we're on bigger and faster machines now that, you know what, it's going to be totally different at the same time. Yeah. I, and, and I wish that we would have, uh, you know, recorded that part as we were, as we were talking before we hit record on this part of the, of the, the conversation here, because, um, yeah, I mean, I remember, I was just telling you, I remember lining up for my first pro race and being scared shitless of the guys around me because they were my heroes. Right. So one thing, like you're kind of, um, you know, you're, you're worried because you're like, damn, like now I'm racing these guys. These are the fastest guys in the world. And then it's also like, man, I don't, I don't want to like get in anybody's way or anything like that. So uh, that was a, that was a worry in itself. Um, but yeah, I mean that, that pro stock class for you to have lined up against basically everybody at one point last year. So, you know, that, uh, you know, you're, you don't got to be intimidated by these guys. And then you also find your footing racing those guys on machines that, you know, you're basically riding to their limit. So you're not biting off more than you can chew. Um, I, I, I sure wish that the pro stock class would have been around, um, you know, when I was racing, I feel like that's just a, a perfect bridge from the top amateur classes like pro-am to the pro class where you're lining up against these guys but you're on machines where you're able to keep everything pretty much in check um i think that's awesome and from the beginning of the day there you looked like a guy who yeah those nerves weren't too big of a deal for you and you were totally in control you were comfortable be comfortable being out there and your lack of nerves or the way it just felt like practice or riding. I mean, that's telling also like where you are mentally, like what your goals are. Hey, I belong out here with these guys. Um, I feel like that's all telling. So, uh, so the heat race, you finished behind Joel and Chad, not too shabby. Um, and, uh, so take me through your, your goals and expectations then, you know, going into the main, maybe not necessarily goals so much, but tell me where you're at mentally. Like, what are your expectations for the main event after the heat? Yeah, no, I mean, after the heat, um, that went really well. Um, I just noticed like midway through the heat, like I, uh, I got a little tight right away, you know, like it was kind of like, holy crap that like, this is my first pro gate drop and then, you know, settled in and that was just the main goal for um, the main event was like, I realized I was like, all right, like you really got to like relax yourself. Like you can't do that to yourself. And okay. um, so like, I mean, obviously like everyone says like needed a good start, like Daytona is tight. Um, and so, you know, really focused on getting a good start. And after that, it was just riding my laps. Like I knew, I knew if I went out there and I could just ride my laps, like it would end up coming out for, I would end up coming out, in a decent spot because I was like, at the end of the day, if you just stay smooth and on this track, like it was really easy to make a mistake. Um, so I just knew that I had to be smooth and, um, just ride my laps and I didn't do it to maybe to the best that I could have. Um, but that was just the biggest goal was just to stay safe. Um, and obviously, I mean, one wanted to shoot for that top five, but at the end of the day, it was just to get out of there safe. Um, and get that first pro race out of the way. Yeah. I mean, we've heard that from, I remember hearing Chad say that last year that uh, he just wanted to get out of there safe uh, more than anything. That was the number one goal. Um, but you know, man, it was a, it was a great race for you. Like you essentially ran inside the top five throughout the entire main event. You survived that first corner melee that we've all seen by now, all the footage and the videos and stuff. Um, and you quickly found yourself locked in this gnarly battle with Wesley Wolf and Brandon Hogue And uh, you know, Brandon looked like he was charging for the first few laps there. He actually shot by both of you 
you guys, I believe at, at one point he, he got by um, you and Wesley, then buried himself in a berm, you and Wesley get back by, and then you ended up gapping him. Um, and, and from what I could see, you and Wesley were like, like throwing haymakers at each other is what it looked like. You were locked in this gnarly battle. And, and I said on social media, um, you know, in this, and now after listening to you, it probably makes a little more sense, but you could have settled for fourth and you didn't, you gave Wesley all he could handle. It looked like you damn near made the pass uh, for that, that last podium spot on the last lap. So take me through the race, take me through that battle. And, uh, and how close did you come to making that move? Oh yeah. I mean, so actually right away, like Brandon ended up getting around us um, because me and Wesley got together with each other. I actually made the pass on Wesley, like on the third or fourth lap. I saw that. And then yeah. It, and then I made a, a stupid rookie mistake that I'll laugh about afterwards and went outside right away and gave him that, gave him the chance instantly to, to just come right back. And I, I went off the track and Brandon goes flying by me. Brandon p- blows Wesley's doors off. Like we totally screwed each other by, by getting into each other. Okay. And then, uh, you know, Brandon luckily made that mistake um, and then allowed us to both get by. Um, and I think after that, I think he actually had some issues. I really don't know what happened there. He kind of just, he was there for a few laps and then all of a sudden it was kind of like me and Wesley are back mm-hmm. at it. And um, yeah, I mean, I ended up passing Wesley again, like a couple laps later and just stayed on the rear brake a little too long and stalled it like the turn after I passed them. I don't know if I, my adrenaline got so worked up that, okay. um, like I finally got around him and I don't know, just another, like one of those mistakes that you wish you would have never done. Like I finally got around him and like, I was like, yes, like I can finally go and sprint. And the first turn I get around him, I stalled the bike. Luckily, thank God for electric start. Um, didn't lose too much time. And okay, so then it was kind of like, I knew where I was at and just, I was kind of pacing them and pacing them and just staying there for a few laps. And then all of a sudden I got the board that, I was in fourth. Like I knew I was in fifth. Like I was like, all right, like a top five, like we'll get out of here in fifth. Like I was tired. I won't lie. Like I, I hadn't, I, I've never had that, you know, all last year. Like I never had me and Zach had a really good battle at the first round, but it was seven laps. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I, you know, all of a sudden we're 10 laps in and I've been banging bars left <laughs> and right. And I, there was no relaxing. Like that was like, that was, like I said, there was a few rookie mistakes and that was the biggest one was just, I really worked myself up, um, Mm -hmm. not being used to that contact. Like that was probably the biggest thing I learned was like, you're always playing defense in the pro class. Like you really got to worry about like that guy behind you. And that was something that I didn't really have to do a whole lot of last year. Like last year I got up front and I picked my lines where all of a sudden I made a, I'd make a pass and all of a sudden it was like, Oh, I know the outside's faster. I'm going to carry my speed. And then it's like, Oh, I got cut off from the inside. That was really dumb. Like, right. So just little things like that, that obviously it's going to take a little time to learn. I think I uh, figured a lot out in one race just by uh, getting hammered on a couple of times. You get put in your place real fast when you do stupid things like that. Um, Wesley, but, two of all people, Wes, Wesley will stick it in there on you. Oh yeah. And he did. And I mean, I got nothing wrong with that. I mean, it went both ways. Um, he just, uh, he was a little more prepared than I was for it. And (laughs) I knew though he had to been tired and I was getting tired. And when I got the board that I was in fourth and all of a sudden they gave us, they let us know there was two laps left. I was like, all right. Like I knew Wesley 
is a very aggressive rider and I really didn't want to be in front of him the whole time because I was like I was I was more relaxed behind him just kind of studying him and I finally waited till the last lap and I was like I knew I could make a run on him coming up to the mechanics area um I just had a little better line coming out of the turn um and it worked it was just uh we collided in the air then after we landed and um you know about came through the mechanics area and took everybody out <laughs> luckily uh saved that one there okay uh, but and then you know just uh I, you know the heart rate got up and uh really tried to make the pass stick in the next turn and just uh got a little high on the berm and it the berm caught me there in, in time qualifying too and it came back and caught me again in the main so uh you know it, it was a little upsetting um blowing it right at the end that not that's not something that I usually do I'm usually one of those people that I can make something happen if I really put my mind to it so I was a little upset about that but at the same time looking back on it I was like well you know what you live and you learn and I'm definitely okay with a fourth on my first pro race so I was like yep would have been great to be at the podium but at the same time it was still a heck of a battle and I learned a lot um just in that entire moto so with what we got out of there with for all the mistakes there was, it was still a good day. For sure. I mean, you're exactly right. You're hitting the nail on the head. There's things that you can't learn or somebody can't teach you other than like being out there and actually experiencing it. So to think of, you know, how young you are, these are your first experiences in the pro class and you're learning and you're learning like upfront, you know, with the best guys. Uh, that's amazing. And I'm glad you were able to touch on that because, you know, for a person that looks at the lap times or whatever, the lap log, um, it looks like you're just like you shadowed Wesley and from watching it, I knew that that's not how it went down. I saw you guys mixing it up and like, like I saw, you know, when you got ahead of Wesley, I see him come barreling into some of these corners and, uh, and yeah, so I knew that you guys were, were dicing it up for sure. But like you said, finishing one spot off the podium in your very first pro race is a huge deal. Obviously you'll take that, especially at Daytona where we see all the craziness that happens down there. Um, so obviously you're going to take that and, and uh, that's going to that's gonna move you up to tier two in digging deep ATV MX fantasy, making it a little more difficult for people uh, because obviously you were the money pick there in tier three. Um, and, and you were obviously one of the perfect picks for the season opener there. You were a necessary pick of the, the fantasy league winner. So everyone that had picked you like myself was obviously stoked. Um, but yeah, we talked about, uh, we talked about this on the season preview episode. We, we knew that, um, you know, you were going to be in the mix for the top five. We knew that even going back to last year, if you would have got in there, we knew that you were going to be consistent. Like you always are. We knew you were going to be strong, especially late in these, in these motos, kind of like you showed, but I would say that your pure speed was one of the most impressive aspects of the entire day. Um, for, for me, uh, maybe of any rider, any topic, your speed in your very first pro race was a huge takeaway for me. Wow. I, I appreciate it. And yeah, I mean, I think last year, just like being, you know, like being in that pro stock class, you know, I really had to push and you really learned like how to make that bike go as fast as you could possibly make it go. And I think it really translated well for me, um, to the, to the race machine, just because like I went out there and there was a couple of races where all of a sudden I came off the track and I was like, dad, guess what I learned? Like, I, I was hitting this berm and all of a sudden I watched like 
Thomas or Chad, whoever was in front of me, they moved over six inches and kept the bike off the berm and all that. And all of a sudden they're three bike lengths ahead of me. And I'm like, you know, who would have thought like, you know, unless I was there to see it, I wouldn't have learned it. Mm-hmm. And I would say just over the off season, that was like the biggest thing was just smoothing out and like really learning, um, like to pick good lines, like, and just study, like, obviously I'm blessed and I get to ride a chat all the time. And, you know, I didn't get to ride with him as much this year, you know, he had a little one and, you know, he's a very busy guy. Um, but when we did, you know, it was just riding with him and really studying, you know, how he makes that bike go so fast. Um, and, uh, when it comes to, I think the top of the pro class, sometimes what separates is just, you know, what lines you pick, like, you know, um, everyone can go so fast that it really, you really need to be very precise how you execute and do things. Um, and that was a big thing this off season was just figuring out, you know, how not to scrub that speed in certain spots and just how to push myself to get to that next level. Um, and there's still a lot of work to be done there. Um, but I definitely would say like just riding with those faster guys, you know, anytime you can ride with anyone faster, you push yourself and you push yourself and eventually, you know, I think after pushing for so long, it starts to become natural. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. So, um, with a fourth at the opener, you set the bar pretty high for yourself going forward, pal. Um, but you look the part of a guy who's going to be there every weekend in the top five logging laps. Like we talked about, I mean, your consistency and, and obviously what you just showed us, um, you look like one of those guys, you're going to be in the mix every weekend. And I can't wait to see how, how, you know, how this is going to play out. The future is obviously so bright for you. Um, okay. So we got a month until three palms. What, uh, what are your plans between now and then? Um, you know, I've actually, uh, I'm picking up doing some of the GNCCs. Um, where did that come I, uh, from? Where did that come from? Just, uh, you know, tried a few last year and just out of, I just liked it. Like it was just, it, it's a change. Um, I love motocross and it's still by far my favorite. I mean, you, I, if there was a GNCC or a motocross race, you, you'd catch me at that motocross race 10, out, 10 times out of 10. Yep. But um, it's just kind of like a refresh. Like it's something different and like, it's a different, um, just a different, like, training like I just like um how it makes you ride and just there's so many things that you do different but yet at the same time it overlaps so well um like after riding for two hours you know like our 20 minute pro race seems so short all of a sudden right and I really I really liked that about it um so the plans to do you know I'm gonna try and make the ones I can I'm not trying to do them all or by any means but when I can you know we're going there to do the best I can and just learn it and try and just become a better rider all around everywhere, just smooth out and do the best I can in both GNCC and MX. And, um, I, I feel like it's helped me so far. Um, just even with learning to relax, like, you know, you can't go wide open for two hours through the woods. Like you really got to learn to relax and smooth out and pick good lines. And, um, I think it's helped me just as much on the motocross side doing it. Awesome. Yeah. I wanted to ask where the, the GNCC thing came from because uh, I didn't remember. I mean, we're, we, we live like right next door to each other. So I never remembered you being a GNCC guy when you were younger. Um, so I wondered where that came from. 
No, I, I literally had only done two before three in my entire lifetime. And this year, I, I, over the winter, I decided I had I had an extra like frame laying around in some parts and pieces. And I was like, let's build a bike and, you know, like, let's try and do some of them this year. And the first one went really good, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from now on, I'm just going to try and do the ones I can. And then um, obviously stay riding the motocross as well. Um, I'm going to come home. You know, I've been down here in Florida for two and a half months and kind of ready to get home. And just uh, I'm going to take a little break here this week, you know, come home and uh, catch up on some school. Obviously, I, I, st- I still have to do our daily school where most other of our pro guys don't have to. So, <laughs> um, you know, still got to get that diploma and graduate. So, have to come home and you know catch up on a little bit of that after being at Daytona this week obviously I won't lie I'm a little behind so I need to get home and take some time to get caught up there and then uh, I'm gonna head down to Texas a couple weeks early and just uh, get back to riding and just staying in shape and doing my usual awesome man well uh, and you won you won the the GNCC opener in your class right uh third in the pro-am oh okay so. okay so you were on the podium i knew it was i knew it was notable i knew it was good i knew you were up on the yeah. box no i i uh ended up third overall and then 18th overall on the day so uh definitely uh definitely a different world and uh some fast guys there too so mm-hmm. um excited to see uh you know hopefully get back on the box and uh improve from there yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, we're going to get you out of here on that note. Obviously good luck this weekend. We'll obviously uh, see you and talk to you as we, as we get closer to, uh, to Texas here. Um, and, and, you know, I'm sure that we're going to talk to you again here real soon on digging deep. Um, obviously with how awesome of a kid you are, with how great of a, of a rider you are and wearing the legendary number two doesn't hurt either. Um, you're making a lot of fans out there. So we're proud of you. Obviously we're proud as always to talk to you here on digging deep and, uh, you know, stoked to talk to talk to you about an awesome day at the races. And obviously just want to congratulate you again on a phenomenal debut. Um, it was uh, a day you'll never forget a day. I'll probably never forget. It was so crazy. And as a Wisconsin guy, you know, again, you living just down the road from us, basically, like, I feel like I take some ownership. Like when I see people like becoming fans of Max Linquist, I'm like, yeah, but he was mine first. <laughs> uh, no. And I appreciate it. And uh, thank you very much, Cody. And uh, I kind of just wanted to, before we got out of here, just say, uh, you know, you touched on the number two and, uh, it was uh, a really special day to be able to bring that back to the track. You know, um, Jeremiah and that family had, we've gotten pretty close to, and just like to say big thanks to him again. And, um, you know, he could, he could have let anyone wear it and, you know, he let me and I'm very blessed and grateful for that opportunity. And, uh, it was nice to be able to come back out and I really would have liked to be on the podium, but at the same time, you know, we got a fourth and, I was pretty happy with that and I would definitely like to do that number justice and hopefully get it back up there on the box soon. So that's the goal. And, um, it'll definitely be, uh, a a fun time to hopefully try and make it happen. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just a big thanks to Jeremiah and that whole family because it's been a heck of a year and it's been a really cool, it's been really cool to get to represent that number. Yeah. You're, you're doing the number two, very proud. Like you said, and I've saw some other people, um, kind of making these references, but there's shades of the, you know, the, the Jeremiah YFZ year. When I see the blue number two on the, on the blue quad, it it takes me right back to like the old Wavos videos. 
<laughs> I've been told that a few times now. That's funny. I think Gloop is the one that always brings that up. Is it? Extra, is it? Okay. Yep. I, I yep. love it. I love it. And I told you already, number two is my favorite number in all, in all sports. It looks so good. Um, so yeah, you're doing it proud for sure. So congrats again on a phenomenal race, pal. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds great. I appreciate it, Cody. Thank you very much. That's Max Linquist, brought to you by Bike Strikes and Quads LLC and www.btqllc.com. Thanks again, pal. Great job. What an episode. Major thanks to tonight's guests, five-time Daytona winner Chad Weenan, podium finisher Nick Janusa, Max Linquist, Glute Mayhe of Rip It Up Films, Casey Greek of Impact Solutions, Logan Tremellan of the Tremellan Media House, and Mr. Joel Hetrick. Thanks to producer Dallas Jansen, my brother, Thanks to Brooke. Thanks to AMA official Harv Whipple. Thanks to our sponsors, CST Tires, shop.csttires.com. Yamaha, thanks to Blue Crew, Valvoline, SSI decals, DID Racing Chain, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV components, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, Forworks Carbon, DP Brakes, Gripped Gloves, Factory 43, Bike Strikes and Quads LLC, and Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINDEEP20 at manscaped.com. Support the brands that support our show, and don't forget to use those codes to save. Find it all on our website, and be sure to click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner for all your off-season needs and to help us out. And most of all, thanks to you guys for listening. Our show merchandise, including Digging Deep shirts and hoodies, our new Quad Guys Get Hot Chicks shirts and hoodies, national championship merch, and more are all available at shop.diggingdeepatvmx.com. If you're looking for another easy way to help us out, visit our website and click the Buy Me a Coffee button. This allows you to set up a one-time or monthly contribution to help us out. You can call our voicemail line anytime, 920-569-3519, and follow the show on social media, Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast, and myself, Cody Jansen, for additional content and Digging Deep ATVMX fantasy info as we roll into the season here. Remember, you can still sign up at ATVFantasy.com today. I can promise you, you don't want to miss this. It's so much fun. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. All episodes, additional podcast providers, sponsor links and discount codes, our new show merchandise, fantasy info, and more can all be found on our website, diggingdeepatvmx.com. So check that out today. Again, go to atvfantasy.com to sign up for Digging Deep ATVMX Fantasy, the first ever ATV Motocross Fantasy League. You will not regret it. Be a friend, tell a friend. Please download, subscribe, rate, review, and share. And with that, for Joel Hetrick, Chad Weenan, Nick Janusa, Max Linquist, Gloop Mayhe, Casey Greek, Logan Tremellan, Brooke Catherine, Dallas Jansen, and I'm your host, Cody Jansen. Thanks for listening to the number one podcast in ATV Racing, 2 million downloads and counting. Until next time, thanks for joining us and digging deep with the stars of ATV Motocross. Things are crashing and burning here at the Digging Deep Podcast, much like the Titanic. Those guys were hauling ass, for real. I remember watching Doug Gus, I don't know who it was, Steel City, running the same times Friday afternoon as James Stewart was on Sunday back then. It was mental. I've never seen quads go that fast. Quad are freaking gnarly. If you're planning to get lucky this St. Patrick's Day... 
Get prepared with Manscaped. Manscaped is the global leader in below-the-waist grooming and an official sponsor of the Digging Deep ATV MX podcast. To ensure you have the best tools for your family jewels, visit manscaped.com and use discount code DIGGINGDEEP20 for 20% off and free international shipping. Manscaped is here to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. The Lawnmower 3.0 Electric Trimmer is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Ceramic blade, advanced skin-safe technology, waterproof capabilities, it's simply the best. And Manscaped's Performance Package is the best buy of 2021. The Performance Package comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, performance boxer briefs, a travel bag, deodorant, and soothing aloe toner. If you're listening, you know good tools are key. So get the best tools for the job today. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using code DIGGINGDEEP20.